Welcome back to the Shoot Around podcast. Uh, this is episode seven. My name is Josh. My name is Mac. And today we're going to be talking mainly about James Harden and uh, his decision to leave Houston, firstly, uh, and then leading to the blockbuster trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. So what did you want to start with, Mac? I mean, there's a lot to un. un- Ravel with this whole trade. Um, first of all, just going to shout us out here. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, sorry, on YouTube as well at the Shoot Around Podcast. On Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Shoot Around Pod. And on TikTok, it's at Shoot Around NBA Pod. So like, subscribe, follow, comment, etc. Please. Yeah, 94% of our viewers on YouTube aren't subscribed. So you need to change oh, that. Yeah. That's making me very upset. How dare you? Yeah. Don't but, watch us and then not subscribe, especially if you're commenting too. That woof, you like get a, me heated. Sounds like a lot of casuals. Not that's like a lot that. of casuals. No, that's casual all right. Fans. Um, so we'll start, I guess, with, yeah. I mean, first of all, James Harden had requested a trade quite a while ago he kind of made it known that he wanted out and then there was that press conference where he's like this can't be fixed yeah Uh, he just looked like a a sad puppy dog it was just a spoiled kind of thing to say especially after everything that houston have done so let's just start with you know how harden ended up in this situation okay so we go from the rockets making him their franchise guy Mm -hmm. Uh, shortly after the trade from oklahoma they realized that they had a winner in harden so they built a team around James Harden. They tried to bring in Dwight Howard to pair with him. That's right. Didn't work. Howard and Harden did not get along. That's like water and oil, to be honest. It is. It's a bit of a weird mix of personalities. It's funny how it's all changed now. Mm. Howard is a team guy. He's joined 76ers and everyone's shouting him out as this great team guy. It only took him six more years from then to mature, but he's here. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, good point though. And then you go... That's flipped. It has. The, The entire situation is flipped. Um, They then brought in a bunch of catch-and-shoot players off the Howard trade um, to try and, you know, assist with Harden's style of play. That didn't work. So they traded for CP3, and that didn't work. (laughs) CP3 didn't get along with Harden, didn't like the fact that he had no work ethic. Here's the thing, sorry, just with that one. I mean, it did work kind of on the court in the first season they were really good yeah they led the league in wins yeah but that's like every situation he's been in like they get the wins that they need to make it to the finals they make the finals they don't get past the first round or second round or third round and then Harden starts blaming everyone else yeah it's tough um yeah there, there were some some weird breaks that happened during their sort of extended run with Harden there but I just thought the Chris Paul opportunity was the best one they had 100% and then yeah they just had a personality clash I actually saw a video recently I hadn't seen before I think it happened in 2019 maybe where Harden's sitting on the bench and Chris Paul's sort of chatting to him standing up Mm. and then Chris Paul puts his fist out for like a fist bump and Harden slaps it away yeah it's kind of like what I don't know what the conversation was I don't know what the the, even the situation was I've seen that before too uh they had more of a personality clash than anything. I don't think it was anything to do with the play on court. I think it was more to do with mm. Harden and, and Chris Paul not having the same level of work ethic when it came to performing in training and on the court. And then you look at the situations in the finals where when Chris Paul had the ball, Harden would stand at the top of the key and wait for the ball. You can't do that. Yeah, You can't do that. Well, that's kind of how he plays. And it's been like that, I think, since Oklahoma City. 
he was obviously a much younger player back then, but his MO is to dominate the ball Hmm. and obviously get buckets. He's really good at that. But then if you're off the ball, generally you don't want to just stand there. Oh, you got to cut. You got to do something. Yeah. Make yourself available to pass the ball to. Yeah. Find open spaces, etc. That's how I look at basketball. I don't know about James. But nonetheless, yeah, it was it was a bit of a weird uh, fit, those two. Chris Paul and James Harden ultimately didn't work out. And um, I think Harden would have pushed Chris Paul out the door yeah. in favor of Russell Westbrook. Should have been the other way around, though. <laughs> I mean, we do, yeah. love, we do love Chris I'm Paul. I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. Yeah. I would have held on to Chris Paul. Um, but it's, then again, the Rockets have invested so much in James Harden to that point. You can't then just flip the script and go, oh, let's let's just give up on him and hang on to Chris Paul. Yeah. Even though that probably would have made them a better franchise. Well, they would have looked at it like, that's a pretty hot take. They would have looked at it like the age thing with Chris Paul. Yeah. But they also didn't necessarily know that Chris Paul was going to go vegan and reinvent his, you know, physical abilities, so to speak, and sort of keep himself in the mix long term. Um, I mean, they made the finals the year that they had Chris Paul. And the conference finals, yeah. yeah, the conference finals. And if Chris Paul hadn't got an, got injured in that final series or the one before, they probably would have been in the finals. That was one of the heart, most heartbreaking things I've seen, honestly. That was horrible. That was the best equipped team to beat Golden State. Yeah, absolutely. By far. But after all of that, they didn't get along. So Houston wanted to get another star. Westbrook had come out and said that he wanted to play with James Harden again. They teamed up and they went full small ball, the craziest small ball lineup I think anyone has ever seen. Definitely. Poor poor PJ Tucker. Sorry. Yeah, I feel bad for PJ. They made him play center. He's banging down there with Nikola Jokic and he's 6'5". And (laughs) like, man, I've tried guarding centers who are like 6'5", 6'6". And that's hard for me. Forget it. I'm 6'2". So I'd just give up. Like there's no point. Um, But yeah, look, they tried to get another star for Harden once the Westbrook thing didn't work because again, it was that work ethic problem that Westbrook had with Harden. Um, and Westbrook's a polarizing sort of talent anyway. So he's hard to get along with, I think, in, in most situations. I'm not calling him a bad teammate. He's a bit like Jimmy Butler. He's got to be in the right situation where players can rally around him a little bit and make him the focal point and, and kind of work off the back of his energy. Um, but obviously, Harden didn't get on board with that. They just um, didn't fit well together, honestly. Like, you could have had the best, uh, they arguably did have the best coach in the world with the best scheme for the players they had yeah. to, to space the floor as much as possible, yep. maximize Westbrook's skill set. Yep. He likes to take a lot of mid range jumpers. Well, they kind of started playing him as a power forward. Kind of, yeah. Once they went small Weird. ball, it was PJ Tucker and Harden were kind of, uh, not Harden, sorry. Westbrook were roaming around the yeah. mid-range. It's a bit weird. And then cutting out to the wings and then making cuts across the baseline. So they, I actually liked that team, the way that they played together. It's fun to I, watch. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen a center on the roster. Um, but I think that's me just being a little bit old school in that I like to see a big guy on the court, whether it's you know a 6'9 center or a, or a 7-footer. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. a big guy. Size is going to help you in a lot of cases. 100%. So. They were out-rebounded. That's the thing. In the, in the playoffs, regularly. the game's going to slow down. You can't play 100 miles an hour. Yep. Um, we'll probably see that with Milwaukee. Hopefully not. Um, but nonetheless, the yeah, the Rockets weren't equipped to get into like a scrappy game yeah. with teams. Sorry. And um, yeah, it didn't work out between those two. 
So they moved on from Westbrook. They brought in John Wall. Apparently Harden preferred Wall to Westbrook. Well. Which is, again, him swiping right on all the point guards. It's yeah. kind of just like, okay, like, what do you really want, James? And then I guess he hadn't made it clear at that stage that he wanted out. Yeah. Until he started playing a little bit with Wall. Well, it was the offseason. It, it was uh, right before the season commenced. It was Harden preferring to go to a uh, gentleman's club. Right. Rather than attending preseason training camp with his new teammates, John Wall and Boogie Cousins. So, yeah. again... Hot take, that's going to rub people the wrong way on your team if you choose to go yep. to a gentleman's club yep. over... Yeah. Even teammates. meeting your new teammates, he didn't even do that. Yeah. Like, even when they were brought into Houston... He was at a gentleman's club, not interested in attending. It's not very gentlemanly of James Harden. It's really not. That's actually an awful thing to do to your new teammates. Anyway, he has left that situation now. He broke. Sorry, he broke the bro code. Actually, he did. So shame on James. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. He's left Houston now, and I think that he's left. You know that franchise in a much better situation than they were in with him on the roster. Yeah. I think they're happier um, and we will get to see the best version of Christian Wood, the best version of Boogie Cousins, and I think we'll see a much improved John Wall. Um, John Wall will get back to that 20 points per game kind of form. Um, Potentially. I'm, I'm confident of it. Yeah, eight, nine assists. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confident. They have a really good roster there. David Nwaba's come along a long way. He, he's actually been really good this season. Um, defensively, is fantastic. I think yep. I've said that in every podcast, uh, at least about one player. But um, he really is a, a brilliant one-on-one defender, especially on the perimeter. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the franchise is in a much better situation than they were. Well, that's the thing. There's like a cloud that's been cast over the team with the whole Harden thing, and yep. that cloud is cleared out now. And it's more, not maybe not blue skies yet, but it's a lot better outlook. Yep. And that's the thing. The, the team should also find a level of motivation from the way Harden exited, uh, the way he sort of pushed the teammates aside, like we said, wasn't very gentlemanly, broke the bro code. Um, yeah, the team should find motivation in that and say, you know what, we're going to be better without him. Wall is going to have that motivation anyway because he's trying to get back to an all-star level. Uh, people were doubting him, of course. Like We're one of those people, of course, because he's coming off of an Achilles injury, but he's looked really good. So, yeah, I just think that backcourt as well, if they keep it together, should be pretty good. They're both the same size. They can switch on defense. Uh, they're both intense players. They play with passion. Uh, I think it could work out really well for Houston, honestly. I, think it could too. I couldn't agree more with your point there. Yeah. My my hard take would be that Houston are much better off. I, I think that the franchise is in a much better situation now, especially with all those picks going forward. You can't undervalue a first-round pick, even no matter where it's placed. Like uh, A lot of the top players in the league right now were taken in the middle of the first round. You know, they're not taken in the first five picks. So yeah. the, the the chances of you picking up a superstar in the mid-range uh, is quite high. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good that they've ended up with those four first-round picks. Um, but, yeah, let's look at the trade now. So now that we've discussed Houston's history, mm-hmm. what was the trade? So the trade was a four-team trade. Uh, it initially was, I think it was just two, and then it turned into three, and then it escalated to four at a certain stage. So James Harden goes to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, and in return, Houston gets Victor Oladipo, but that's involving Indiana. 
and the Cleveland Cavaliers were also involved. So let's just run through it. The Nets get James Harden. The Pacers received Karis LeVert and a second round pick. So there was an update on this trade. It was revised. We'll run through that in a second. But Karis LeVert was the big get for the Pacers. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Rodion's Kurutz, I probably butchered that, and Dante Exum are going to the Houston Rockets, uh, along with four first-round picks and four pick swaps, which I'm not 100% well-versed on. I think they're second rounds. I think they're all second-round pick swaps. Okay. Um, But yeah, we'll have to... Research it a yeah, bit. Yeah, we might Maybe post that later. One of our loving fans can educate us. Um, and then the Cavaliers, in like the most left field thing ever, they come in and they get Jared Allen from Brooklyn as well as Torian Prince. So they've added another center. Smart though, Jed. Just what they wanted. More yeah. size. I like it. I think it's smart. I'm not being sarcastic. Okay, we're gonna get into that. Yeah, in just I'll, a d- I'll discuss the Cavs later. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, that was the trade. Now, just on the Karis Levert thing, it was revised because uh, Levert had some news come out that he may have some issues with his kidney. Uh, specifics, it's hard to say. They found a mass on they his kidney. Mass, yeah. um, so thoughts are with Karis Levert. Absolutely. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Um, but yeah, look, he's he's out for uh, an indefinite period of time. Yeah. So on top of that trade... Um, the Nets needed to throw in a kicker, which was the second round pick and a two point six million dollar buffer. Yeah. Um, so bit of cash. It's a tough one for the Pacers um, to get that kind of news, thinking that they just picked up, you know, possibly one of the most underrated players in the league, um, only to find out that he's out indefinitely. Yeah. Um, so it's tough for the Pacers and for Karras, um, who was probably really looking forward to going into a new si- new situation. Pardon me. Um, and yeah, I'm. Could have led them in scoring. He probably could have. Yeah. Um, with Sabonis playing as well as he has and Brogdon, who has been outstanding this year, super efficient as always. Um, I think Karis LeVert would have been a nice addition, um, especially with Oladipo's inconsistency. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I think this trade is really good all round. Um, let's focus on the net side of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's, let's just go into the nets um so i have some interesting statistics that i uh have to shout out jimmy high roller if you don't watch jimmy high roller on youtube he's great like puts together some insane graphics really interesting stuff um there has never been a trio put together that averaged more points than these three individually they average 83 points per game collectively um so obviously this may go down with harden playing with the other two, um, but it's based on Harden's 24.8 p- points per game that he's averaging now. So it's already lower than the 30 points he's averaged in the past three seasons. I would imagine that number will go up, actually. I don't think it's going to stay at that. I think because yep. of the way he was playing in Houston, yep. which was like lazy, yep. for lack of a better description, that number is probably going to increase. Mm. Um but yeah, nonetheless, sorry, continue with the stats. But then the other two may go down. So it, yeah. it should balance out. But the 83 points per game is not out of the realm of possibility for those three players. Yeah. Um, the next highest scoring trios are the 2019 Warriors with 74.8 points per game. Yep. The 2020 Rockets with 75.9 points per game. Yeah. Now, it has to be said that that Rockets trio is difficult to kind of narrow down who they're actually <laughs> including in that. But it's uh, Westbrook, Harden, and I'm assuming PJ Tucker. 
I'm assuming it could yeah, be the 2020 Daniel Rockets. Or, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020 Rockets uh, and the 1984 Nuggets with 76.7 points per game. You know what's crazy is I know of that 1984 Nuggets team. They played the highest pace of any team in the league in NBA history at that time. Yeah, they were notorious for scoring like 130, 140, but playing zero defense. Yeah. So the fact that the t- the three players the Nets are getting. That trio is higher than that team. Yeah. is pretty crazy. Even yeah. with the way that the NBA plays now with a high pace. Yeah. So that's a pretty impressive number. Yeah. Um, what else have you got there, Josh? So out of the 14 teams with trios that average more than 67 points per game, only six made it past the second round of the playoffs. Um, so offense isn't everything because only one team actually won a championship and that was the 2001 Lakers. Ooh. That was uh, a dominant team. Very good team. Yeah. But they did not have three dominant ball handlers. They had three good scorers um, and they only averaged, uh, it was like 71 points per game. I haven't got the stat in front of me, but I think it was only 71. The 2001 um, Lakers? Yeah. So they had, yeah. I mean, Three players that averaged 71 points per game combined. I don't even think you need to throw in a third player for them. They had Shaq, who counts for two guys, and Kobe. Yeah. And then the third player could be like me or you. Yeah. But yeah, so nonetheless, that <laughs> team was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So these, yeah, these are all relevant. So the other troubling statistic for the Nets is the usage rate. Uh, Durant, Kyrie, and Harden combined for a usage rate of 94.2%. Wow. Uh, the next closest team is the Westbrook and Harden Rockets in 2020 with 93.2. So <laughs> that's a lot of ball handling. They did not play very well in the playoffs. Uh, it's safe to say that iso ball does not work in the playoffs uh, and you'll be lucky to get away with it in the regular season. Um, so of the best big threes of all time, one player has to take a backseat. They have to. Yeah, I, I just want to push back. Like their, their style of iso ball didn't work out. I think Miami last year, for example, was an example of a, like Jimmy Butler – was doing a lot of ISOs in the finals. Yeah. And you need to have a guy, and that's why the Nets have Durant. You need to have that guy that's like, okay, everything's failing. Please score for us. Yeah, just give me the ball. So in that regard, that's an isolation style of play that works yes. in pinch situations. I'll take that, yeah. But overall, the way they played, Houston was very unique with their play style. Yep. That didn't work out, as we saw. Uh, they got dominated by the Lakers. Uh, and yeah, that obviously got blown up so these are all really interesting statistics the high usage side of it is what particularly interests me because we can talk a lot about you know sharing the ball and one goal win the championship etc etc but these players have egos yeah and i don't know how like steve nash might be the best possible fit for that type of scenario where you have to manage the egos uh, because he's really good with managing his players and speaking to them, getting them all on the same page. But at the same time, this is a one-of-one one type of situation, but not only based on statistics, but based on the personalities we're talking about. Yeah, One of the players has decided he doesn't want to play, just flat out. And there's a whole bunch of speculation about why he's done it. Uh, we can get into that afterwards. Again, we'd only be speculating. We don't know any facts about it yet. I think we'll wait for... You know, an actual report to come out once they've done their investigation, yeah. that we'll discuss it. Um, 
Well, there is. They did a little bit of uh, investigation. So the NBA has come down on Kyrie a little bit, but there hasn't really been anything necessarily final or any decisions fully made regarding that, both on the NBA side and on Kyrie's side. But nonetheless, he is a massive headache for an NBA franchise. Yeah. Say what you want about whatever he's dealing with. Maybe it's personal reasons. Maybe there's something serious going on. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's nonetheless like this guy was signed to a huge contract and he's just saying, you know, ah, I don't really yeah, yeah. I don't really want to play. This is we've talked about this a lot with Kyrie Irving. He is not a good franchise player. I don't I wouldn't want him as my number one guy. I wouldn't want him as my number two. I, w- I wouldn't want him in the, the Nets, franchise. I thought the Nets were playing well prior to the Harden trade and him bailing on the team. I thought they were playing really well together. They weren't. Their record wasn't perfect. They were gelling. Nash was incorpor- and the rest of the coaching staff was incorporating schemes, systems, etc., to get them all on the right page and working as a collective unit. Karis LeVert was playing really well off the bench for them. Um, but now they've made this trade. For different reasons. I agree. I wouldn't want Kyrie for a lot of different reasons. I think it's mostly because of his unpredictability. Yeah. That's a massive, massive thing to keep an eye on. And you could look at this trade as Kyrie Irving insurance. And it's crazy to think that that would even be a concept considering how talented Kyrie is. But the other side of it, the mental aspect of it, you cannot discount it. What do you think? I think the Nets have landed three of the best individual scorers of all time. Yeah. But Absolutely. three individual scorers do not make a team. Yeah. You you cannot put the best scoring players on a team and go, okay, play basketball. Because on a basketball team, you need players that play a role, that have a role, they go out there, they do their job, and they make sure that their players are open. There's a history of this. All, all teams is. have this with the roles and everybody knows their spots yep. and places and you don't step on anyone else's toes, it works out. You win championships. Which is why teams need to be careful about who they're signing and who they're bringing in. We've seen in the past teams try and add the best possible players into their franchise and then having to blow it up two years later because you can't have four individual scorers on a team because there's no one else there to help with the defensive side of the ball or the rebounding or to do the little things like setting screens, um, rolling to the bucket, because they all want to get their share of the ball. So how those three are going to work on the court at the same time, I don't know. You even look at the Warriors when they brought in Durant and they had Curry. Durant took a backseat. In a lot of regards, yeah. Clay took a backseat. Clay was a catch-and-shoot guy. That's pretty much all he did. He cut to the bucket occasionally, but he was really good defensively. He got the boards that he needed to get, and... Kevin Durant did the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are these are all guys that could be superstars on any franchise and they are now all on the same franchise and they take up 95% of their team's possessions. Yeah. You well, can't have that. Here's it will the thing. not work. I, I definitely agree with that. There is like just to play devil's advocate, there could be a situation where they realize that they've never played with this level of talent before. Like maybe Durant with, you know, Curry and Thompson and Draymond to that degree. But there could be nights where basically Kyrie's got the hot hand, so they feed him. And if they're happy for him to just score all the time, if they're winning, winning is going to cure everything. I don't think that is correct with James Harden. James Harden, they were winning with Chris Paul. 
They were winning with Westbrook. Yeah. Albeit it was not pretty. They were winning, right? Winning doesn't cure everything because we've just seen Harden walk out on a franchise that literally bent over backwards to his every demand. And he's now a special he's, one. He is in a new situation where he is not going to get the same treatment. He's not going to get all the freebies that he got in Houston. He's a new player on a franchise that's trying to win that hasn't had any success there for a very, very, very long time. Early 2000s. At all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. But they were New Jersey then anyway. Yeah. So look, Brooklyn have never had any success. Right. As a franchise. Brooklyn itself, yeah. The, this is quite possibly the start of something really terrible for the Nets. Maybe. If they cannot play together, where do you go from there? Here's the thing. Durant, okay. So the other angle of this is just regarding the players is they can opt out after I think two or three years. Yeah. They can right. all just leave. Yep. Now, I don't think they're going to prioritize Durant. Duran is the second best, arguably the second best player in the league. Yeah. You don't want to lose a guy like that. Mm. They will probably, if anybody's going to be on the way out, it's going to be Kyrie. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Because I think Durant and Harden are going to be a better fit together than Kyrie and Durant. Just in terms of the offense. Imagine running a pick and roll with Durant and Harden. Mm. How do you defend that? Yeah. So just on a purely talent look at it. Just looking at the talent of the two guys, that duo should work out okay. Yep. But at the same time, again, there's still an ego thing. We don't know enough about how Harden is now that he's on a new team and he has a different outlook. The Houston thing uh, was a little bit um, catastrophic towards the end and it just everybody was unhappy. So I think now with a fresh start, we should see a different side of Harden. That's what I want to believe, although it remains to be seen. They did play today. And, you know, Harden had a triple-double, mm. scored 34 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists, I believe it was. He had nine turnovers. Yeah. He's the first player to debut with a 30-point triple-double, which yeah. I know. It's, look, it's James Harden. So, I'm, this is the, the, the problem with this is individually, I would have any of them, you know, play for my team as, as players, as basketball players individually on their own. I would have them on my franchise. As a collective, I would keep them far, far away from my team mm. it's a, because it's a, of the personality issues. Such a weird combo. They're so volatile. Like they, It's such know, a weird combo. Kyrie at any moment could just go, oh, I don't really want to play today. James Harden could be like, oh, look, I had a big night last night. So I'm just- James, you said that for the last three nights. Exactly. What are you doing? I'm probably just going to have tonight off. Yeah. Um, which is what he used to do in Houston, which is why those players had so many problems with him because he just wouldn't turn up to training. And the funny thing is you could argue that Durant is a little bit of a, not, not a head case, but like overall, he's the most trustworthy player on the team because he's, I haven't seen too many guys more passionate about getting better and playing basketball than Kevin Durant. Yeah. He's been on the record saying he just wants to hoop. Yeah, in places and he wants to ignore all the BS off the court and the rumors and like all the stuff that happened in Golden State or whose team is it do your rings count because you went to this team etc cetera, etc cetera. he just wants to play basketball yeah this is what I'm saying I would keep Durant above all else that's not that's a really cold take trust me but at the same time if you can keep Durant and decide who you want to keep between those other two I think you're better off than trying to make all three work okay that's how I feel about the Nets um, I think because you have the potential to run that type of pick and roll between those two, if you surround them with shooters such as Joe Harris, uh, well, it remains to be seen if DeAndre Jordan 
has a truly important role on this team aside from rebounding if he's going to help them or hurt them with his lack of shooting. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. But you do need to have a big guy on the team. Like it's kind of the Houston Rockets showed that. I remember seeing a picture when the trade first happened. It was like potential uh, Nets lineup. It was Jeff Green, Durant, Harden, Joe Harris, and Irving. I was like, who's grabbing the rebounds? There's no big – who's defending the rim? Yeah. There's well, nothing there. Well, it have to be KD. You'd play KD at center and then what He's are you doing thin. to his – yeah, exactly. What are you doing to his frame? Yeah. Um, the, the only other takeaway I would have to uh, I would put out there is that someone has to take a back seat out of those three. Yeah. And I don't know who does it. It's um, going to be Irving, I think. Well, KD would be the most willing because it's KD. He just wants to win. Historically, yeah. But he also came to Brooklyn to be their guy. You know, he, he went to Brooklyn to be the franchise player. You would think Kyrie so. was supposed to be his second-hand man, which yeah. apparently, you know, there's been reports, whether they're true or not, I don't know, he's not happy with. He doesn't want to be second fiddle to anyone. He wants to be the guy. And he's not good enough. I'm sorry, Kyrie. You, you're, not, you're not the guy. You, it, you know, if you're watching this, please stop. <laughs> stop. You're not the guy. Please. You're not it. You do, you're not. I feel bad for KD because KD has now gone to a franchise. He wanted Kyrie there. He wanted a friend there that he could be like, let's play basketball. Let's win. And Kyrie's like, nah, I'm sorry. I'm going on a sabbatical. I'm not coming back until I'm ready. It's unreal. I think Kyrie is the number one head kit, head, oh, the man. headache of all time, oh. maybe. Yeah, this Brooklyn Nets team, this could get ugly um, and I'm – I'm, I'm hoping for, for KD's sake that it's not because I really want Durant to be successful as an individual. Um, I think he's had some tough situations playing with Westbrook, wasn't pretty. Leaving to the Warriors gave him a really bad name. So I'm hoping that he can, you know, you know, rebound and, and have his image um, maintained yeah. at a new franchise as the guy. Um, but yeah, Kyrie and Harden aren't the two players to help him do that. I would pick Harden over Kyrie if that's really what it comes down to. Look, I'm I'm not but disagreeing yeah, with you there. Either of them is it's difficult to get really confident behind that. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's just the net side of things overall. There's even more angles to cover there, but it's I mean, Man, we could go on for days exactly. with this. This is this is probably you know in my time the biggest trade there's been. Um, no superstar like James Harden, you know, uh, MVP winner has been traded. In a situation like this. Not that I can think of. I'm yeah. probably missing something, but it was uh, look, not in recent memory. I just came up with that. I don't have anything written down. So <laughs> if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I don't really care. At Josh. Yeah, at me. The Cavaliers are the real winners though. Whoa. Yeah. It's not hot take of the week time yet. No, no, no. That's not a hot take. Um, so that's they a, gave up. That is a flaming hot take, <laughs> but proceed. They gave up a Bucks first round pick. Um, which will probably be late twenties. Doesn't matter for anything. Yeah, thirties. This it, it's a not a great you know number. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they landed Jared Allen to replace Andre Drummond. Um, yeah, you say that though, but where is Andre Drummond going? Well, they'll just let him go, or they'll trade him. Okay, so you're you're saying that they're just gonna fade for Cade essentially, or just play the season out? Yep. And it might be awkward playing maybe three centers, maybe two centers. Yeah. I think this is probably the smartest move the Cavaliers have made in a long time. Getting um, Jared Allen. Yeah. Okay. Because they they will only have to pay him about ten, twelve million. 
So that's based off the worth of a player like that defensively and rebounding. You're not going to give him a Steven Adams contract or an Andre Drummond contract. Right. He's coming off contract this year. He's only being paid $4 million. If I'm not mistaken, you're looking at it now. Up a little bit. Oh, no. You're right. No, yeah. He's on two. There you go. 2.3. Something like that, yeah. No, 3.9 actually. Yeah, 4 yeah. mil. Yeah. So that's good. Don't tell um, me I'm wrong again. That's a good value contract. <laughs> but here's the thing. So yeah, sure. So he's off contract though. So if this, they really like him, they're going to re-sign him obviously. Yes. And then he's going to probably make upwards of 20 plus million dollars. I don't think so. He you think they can get him below that? Yeah, he hasn't been a starter yet. He's come off the bench for Brooklyn. He has been a starter. He was a starter on their playoff team when they w- played against Philadelphia. I think he's going to make big money. And if he doesn't make it there, he'll go somewhere else. And this is where I don't understand what the Cavs did. If the point is they're moving on from Drummond, fair. Uh, I think it's weird how they just have all these big guys. So they have, like, Larry Nance has been playing the three. JaVale McGee. They have JaVale, who is sort of like a really crappy version of Jared Allen. So they have him behind Jared Allen, who's technically behind Andre Drummond, who's actually having a phenomenal season. But at the same time, uh, as someone pointed out to me, he can't play really that much in the fourth because he can't shoot free throws. And it just turns into Hacka Drummond. I don't know if Allen's free throw percentage is that much better. No, it's not. But I understand the point that you might prefer Jared Allen to Andre Drummond. Mm. And I was going to ask you that, but it's like abundantly clear now you prefer Jared I Allen, do. which is fine. Yeah. But I don't like they just sort of were like, oh, we can get on get in on this trade. And they just sort of threw themselves in there. But I like it. I think it's a smart move. I don't understand their game plan, personally. Well, I think they trade Drummond. I think that's their game plan. Maybe. I think they move off Drummond. They send him to Toronto, for as an example. Dude, I... <laughs> okay, so I was going to say, like, if that's the plan, makes sense. Or Boston. Boston. Okay. Do you have a, do you have a mock trade? Uh, do you want me to make one up? If you can. Because <laughs> I've actually got a mock trade here. I okay, had just yeah, thought of... you, you go. You can, you can think it up and I'll, um, I'll get a Boston one going. So we don't know if this is the plan, but I was just going with it like maybe the Cavs could do this. So Andre Drummond to the Raptors for Norman Powell, Aaron Baines, and Patrick McCaw. They still get a center in return though. So The be, money works? It'd be a three-team trade, I reckon. Uh, they'd have to offload Baines again. Why is that? Because then they'd have the same amount oh, of Oh, but he's not going to play. Oh, they just cut it. They're about clearing up. No, he just doesn't have to play. He can oh, just be third okay. string. And obviously, again, they have a glut of centers, but at least they don't have three guys that should be playing. Arguably, yep. well, at least two. Yep. So that would be, and plus, like the Raptors would be happy to get rid of Aaron Baines. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's just a random trade I thought of. You can disagree if you like. That's fine. We'll see what we've got for Boston as uh, GM Kleinen draws it up. Let me see. You can go grab a coffee if you like while you're listening. So let's say that Boston give up a first round pick and add their trade exception from the uh, Gordon Hayward deal because they have one of the largest trade exceptions of all time. Right. Daniel Tice and Semi Ojale, a first round pick and the trade exception to the Cavaliers for Andre Drummond, all of which are off contract. So you think, well, do you think that Cleveland would want that as a return, continuing to have like because Tice can play. It'd be it'd be all about the assets, so it'd be all about the picks, right? So I just like you let those guys walk essentially, and you just take the pick, and okay. you get off Andre Drummond's contract. You'd have the exception there, whether you wanted exemption, whether you wanted to go again and trade another one, yeah. then you know. 
but Boston would definitely, I think they would like Andre Drummond. So that's a fair trade. Yeah. That's a fair attempt. Um, we'll put that up there and see how people feel about it. I can definitely see them trying to shop Drummond, but I just, yeah, I thought them jumping in there was so strange and so random. But hey, look, the Cavs are, they're in a weird spot anyway. I mean, they're trying to make Operation Sex Land work. I don't agree with it. Uh, you, I think you have to pick one or the other. It's probably going to be Colin Sexton, but that's my two cents on that. What do yeah, you think? I, th- I think you got to trade Garland too. Like, just yeah, maybe throw him in, in the trade somehow. Yeah, he's a good player. He, he just is. if they want to move forward, I think they need to pick a point guard. Yeah, and Sexton's come a long way this year. Yeah, um, Garland's actually looked pretty good too. But I think Sexton has a lot of talent and a lot of things going for him that Garland possibly doesn't. Mm. Um, so I'd hang on to Sexton, move off Garland, try and get someone in the backcourt that could defend, um, and then you go forward from there. But I like the move from the Cavs. If they can then turn Drummond into an asset, which they need to do. That's they, the they most likely pathway for them. Yep. Um, so we've already touched on the Rockets side of it a little bit. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. Yeah, because I think, yeah, like we said, they're probably going to come out of this maybe as the winner um, if it's not the James Harden, the team that gets James Harden, obviously. But the Rockets should be buoyed by the fact that they now have this motivation, this sense of uh, we can do it without James, look at us. Yep. And it's a fresh start for the for the franchise. Even if it doesn't work out, they can just go a different direction. Yep. They don't have to worry about paying anybody uh, well, except for John Wall, sorry. They don't have to worry about paying Harden $40-plus million if he doesn't want to be there. So that kind of worked out for them overall. They got a bunch of picks. Uh, Oladipo, there was a rumor that Oladipo requested a trade to Miami. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, that happened the end of last year. Oh, okay. That th- was his off-season goal do to you think, end up in Miami. You think he's still keen? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Miami's a destination for he, sure. He's off contract this year, I believe. Um, so he could just walk in free agency, but they're also Miami are also looking at Bradley Beal. So, right, it'll either be Bradley Beal or Oladipo um, at this stage. Depending on how Oladipo comes back uh, for the Rockets, if he comes out for the Rockets and he's averaging that kind of twenty-five and four like he was before, then That'd they'll be probably take him. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know what that situation's looking like because they don't want to trade Tyler Hero and they don't want to trade Duncan Robinson, um, the two white shooters. So yeah. I wouldn't either, to be fair, but I'm a Heat fan. They're, so. they're a good – they just worked together well, that team. Well, Tyler that Hero up. is much more than a three-point shooter. So He's a creator. He is. He's unbelievably good off the dribble. And then uh, Duncan Robinson – you can't trade him. Why well, would you trade him? He's he's going to be our number one in our player rankings, just so you're aware. He's, so Duncan Robinson is a, one of the GOATs. He is my number one every day, every time we bring this discussion. I want him, you know, always. Just He just needs to be in discussion, yeah. period. We have to mention him in every podcast or I'll yeah. cry. And then he has to listen to me whinge for the next four hours. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> sinking the podcast. No. So, um, yeah, basically that was the trade. Um, again, I guess you could probably, from from what we've discussed, you can probably make sense that Houston probably won the trade if you don't think that the Nets did. Um, the Nets have a lot of sorting out to do. Uh, that team has so many headaches. There's not enough aspirin in the world for it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, so keep an eye out on the Nets. They played well today. Duran had 42. As we mentioned, Harden had the first 
30-point triple-double and a debut for a team. Um, I personally think this is a little bit of a hot take. I think we overrate triple-doubles Yeah. overall. I'm still saying like it's impressive when people get it, but I think we look at it like it's a bit arbitrary. Like It's better that a player has... 30, 10, and 10, then 30, 10, and 9. It's possible that the 30, 10, and 9 was a better game yeah. based on a number of different things. But yeah. that's another story. All right. Uh, we just wanted to run through some of the injuries quickly that have happened recently. Uh, we already just well, we just talked about Karis LeVert uh, found a mass on his kidney. So again, prayers up for Karis LeVert. Um, very underrated player. Now, there have been some pretty devastating injuries to some of the teams. Uh, I'll start on the lighter side of things. Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, from the Atlanta Hawks fractured his knee, which is pretty unfortunate. I can't imagine that felt very nice. He's out indefinitely, last I checked. And then uh, Yusuf Nurkic just the other day broke his wrist. Uh, I read that he was out at least eight weeks. So he can't catch a break to save his career. It's been really rough to watch uh, because every time they get on a, a good roll, Portland's been playing really well. Uh, Nurkic is kind of the the spoiler. Yeah. He's the spoiled milk in the coffee. Um, Thomas Bryant from the Washington Wizards, who was having a breakout season. Yeah. Um, maybe not most improved player level, but he was playing really well. Tore his ACL, done for the season. I was against the hate. That was awful to watch. Uh, that was really sad. Yeah. And even more sad, arguably, Markel Fultz, Orlando Magic point guard, uh, also having a breakout season. He was averaging, I think it was 15, 5, and 5, yeah, roughly. Um, really taking over the reins from DJ Augustine as the lead guard for that team. He also tore his ACL, uh, and he's done for the season. So, not great to see that. Um, I think the condensed schedule and the, the way that the season has kind of been a whirlwind, uh, a lot of uncertainty, and a lack of Proper training overall to get ready for the season has contributed to these problems. But yeah, hopefully these guys can recover and come back stronger. Um, then now there's also been some issues with uh, the protocols of the league um, and the uh, having to isolate players for obvious reasons. So some of the games have been postponed. Some of the players have been held out of games. There was one game Philly played, I believe it was Denver. It was. Where yeah, it was like definitely. nine guys were held out. Yeah. And then that was actually... So quick shout out to Tyrese Maxey, yeah. rookie for the Sixers, went off for 39 Huge points. Huge That game. was pretty crazy to see. So out of darkness came that sort of light. But nonetheless, you don't want to see the league uh, have to postpone too many more games, obviously. So hopefully things can get under control a little bit. Um, given the climate in the United States, it's hard to predict what's going to happen. Like almost impossible. Um, but I think the league is making a lot more of an effort. I mean, they already took it fairly seriously, but given that they're outside of a bubble now, uh, it's definitely, they're a lot more vulnerable. So hopefully they can take it a lot more seriously. Uh, the players get on board as well. Guys like George Hill have come out and said that it needs to be improved. Uh, and he's a pretty important voice for the league. So hopefully they follow suit. Uh, but that was just a quick run through of a few things. Um, now, I just wanted to quickly touch on the New York Knicks. Uh, they've been surprisingly good. Uh, I didn't want to say anything early in the like last episode. Um, I wanted to bring them up a little bit, but it was only like four games, five games in. They had beaten some good teams at that point. Like they beat the Jazz, they beat the streaking Cavs at that point. Um, they actually beat some good teams, and they've stayed relatively consistent. Um, I just think 
they're on the right track again, finally. It's only been 20 years, uh, save for one season when they made the playoffs in 2013. But they have been such a dumpster fire for so long. I just want the Knicks to be relevant again. I really do. RJ Barrett looks like the real deal. He does. He has ups and downs still. I'm not going to lie. Man. It's but his I'm pulling second for him. year. And as, yeah. I, as I've said on this podcast before, he's playing point guard. That is a really hard position to play in your first season or second season, even your first couple of years. It's in a lot the of NBA. responsibility. Yeah. You're the primary ball handler. You are responsible for getting players the ball in the right situations. And I think this year he's already taken a huge step forward in, in his play on the court. He has those lapses, but again, he's, he's 22, 23 years old. Yeah. You know, there's so much more for him to learn and, and uh, such, you know, way more development in his game and more opportunity to be even better. So the fact that they're where they are now is a testament to the Knicks' development, finally, Absolutely. finally um, bringing a player through and actually working with them to get them to that level. So um, props to the Knicks. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that not only because uh, of the play of RJ Barrett, but also obviously Julius Randle has been blossoming. He's been outstanding. He's been brilliant. Uh, Back probably, to that um, Pelicans form. Yeah, actually, definitely. Uh, I think he's the leading candidate for most improved player at this Should point. Um, if he can keep it up, I don't know if what he's doing is necessarily sustainable. Uh, the same can be said for a lot of players, but because it's still early, we'll see how it goes. But the team has something resembling a, a good culture now. I think yeah. Tom Thibodeau was actually the, a really good hire for the team. Um, he's going to make guys accountable. Um, I still think he plays guys too many minutes, but these guys are young. I mean, Julius Randle is probably less than 25 years old. So, I mean, if 26. He, he's 26. Okay. Yeah. So if you're playing him close to 40 minutes a game, look, he's not going to fall over on that's, the court that's Tibbs <laughs> that's Tibbs yeah Tibbs things for sure um but yeah just quickly on Julius Randle he's top 20 in points top 10 in rebounds and 12th in assists that's impressive that's very impressive um considering he's never had those assist numbers before I just want to know where it's come from yeah you know prior uh, in the, the offseason he just spent the he spent the whole time throwing the basketball at the wall and like initiating <laughs> yeah, passes yeah <laughs> yeah so. he's uh He's always been known as a ball stopper, Julius Randle. Bit of a black um, hole. The, the Knicks didn't, Knicks fans especially would jump on him straight away in a loss because he'd hold the ball up is what they'd say. So the fact that he's now come out and is now averaging 6.7 assists yeah. per game is very impressive. His turnover numbers have gone up, but that's to be expected yeah. when you're uh, averaging more assists. Um, he's been... You know, excellent. Like, there's, there's nothing more you can say about it. He's truly been absolutely superb. Really good value contract. He makes $18 million a year. Yeah. So, that's really, really good. That's savvy, yeah. um, which you don't get to say about the Knicks all that often. Um, the fact that he's shooting 35% from three is really good. Yep. Um, and, yeah, his field goal percentage is at 50%. So, yep. all of those numbers are up on his career averages, um, which is a really good sign for, you know, a young Knicks team. Yeah. At the time of recording, actually, they've lost five straight, I believe. I just saw that there. So, like, the last five games haven't been amazing. The last two were competitive with Cleveland and Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, they're on the right track, honestly. Look, the fact that they're there or thereabouts yeah. in every game Potential playoff is team. much better than 
anything we've seen from them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost to some bad teams. They've lost to, lost to some good teams. They beat some good teams and they've also beat some bad teams. It's but been a mix of young. They, they're yeah. a very young franchise. You yeah. know, like I can see them going a long way. Uh, so, you know, if they can hang on to their key players um, and continue to develop, you know, Alfred Payton, yep. RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. I love that guy. He's off contract. So it will be interesting to see what kind of contract he lands. Um, But, yeah, I think if they can continue to develop these guys, then, yeah, they've got a big big future. Um, And Obi Toppin. I've almost forgot about him because he hasn't played much. He hasn't played. Yeah. He hasn't played. I mean, Um, I I shouldn't have played last game. Um, Let me just double check. Can you talk about something while I'm doing this? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what to make of him yet. He's an exciting player. Um, A lot of comparisons to Amari Stoudemire kind of like a poor man's Blake Griffin if you really want to stretch it. Um, But nonetheless, he's an exciting prospect as well. So even if they let go of Robinson uh, and let's say they trade Randall while his value is extremely high, they can continue to build around Toppin. Um, To me, the most important thing with the Knicks is that they're building good habits. Mm. They're playing strong defense and the offense is going to catch up eventually. They just need to add talent or the talent they have needs to improve, which I have all the faith in the world that uh, R.J. Barrett is going to be a good player simply because his godfather is Steve Nash. I just think that that's such a good support system. Yeah. Like yep. if if Barrett's not playing well, you can bet that Nash is probably going to shoot him a text like, hey, man, do you want to get in the gym? Let's work on some things. And who better to work with than Steve Nash? Yeah. Although that might be tampering. So I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because he's the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be off the record. He's the head coach of their... Um Crosstown rival. Their rival, yeah. Um, so back to Obi Toppin. Yep. He played 10 minutes against Cleveland on the 15th of January. That's uh, US time and date. Um, he attempted two field goals, missed them both, uh, including one three-pointer, which he also missed. Um, but Spicy yeah, stats. His rebound numbers were four rebounds. Oof. He had two assists. He had one steal. Yep. And he had one turnover. He was a, It was 10 minutes. He was a minus two. So, like, yeah. We're yeah. going to draw all our conclusions off this one statistical game. Here. He has a long way to go. Yeah. Obi He's had some injury problems since coming in. Um, some car, He had a calf strain issue. I think he had another issue um, as well So over the Christmas break and in preseason. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, with, there's nothing you can say about him yet because he hasn't played. So yeah. um, when they end up with Obi Toppin on the court, we'll have a better idea of um, what to expect out of him. Absolutely. The Knicks uh, are my second team. Uh, I don't really say a lot about it. You might, I think you might, re- might have referenced it a couple of pods ago. Yeah. Where your team, the Knicks. Yeah. It was kind of like, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, I know. It's a, but, it's a um, big secret. It's a secret. Uh, it's no longer a secret. Yeah. I've been a Knicks fan for a while. I just didn't say anything because they've been garbage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, that's the Knicks. Um, I think they're on the right track. Yeah. They've done a good job um, getting the team to where they are. So what do you got next? Hot take of the week. Um, I'm going to start us off here, Joshy. Yeah, get us So you said earlier uh, the Rockets are going to come out of the hardened trade much better and uh, potentially make the playoffs. Yep. Um, I was shuffling between my two takes. That was one of them. But I'm going to go with the Raptors are going to bounce back and surprise people 
this season. Okay. They're going to make the playoffs, as I predicted in the um, prediction p- predictions podcast. Yep. But I think they're going to bounce back. I think their culture is too strong to, to fail. Okay. I really do. Yep. Um, who do you think that's going to be on the back of? Well, someone has to pick up their performances because they've all been pretty average. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so Lowry and Van Vliet have played well. Their backcourt has been good. Uh, there's always going to be the criticism with them that they're undersized. Siakam has picked up his play as well. He's been cl- getting close to triple doubles. It was really tough to watch him miss two game win- winners in a row. Yeah. Like, that was crushing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I think they're going to keep their heads up. Nick Nurse is still one of the best coaches. The, the record doesn't reflect the team. Yeah. I think it's on the back of the entirety of the franchise, uh, of the players, I should say, within the franchise. Chris Boucher, uh, Bloc Québécois, the French-Canadian phenom, has been outstanding. A lot of people calling for him to start. He should. Um, this isn't even Homer Corner. But yeah, the I think Boucher might be our leading guy at this stage. And Ananobi needs to, to pick it up as well. But I think I said that in episode three. Boucher? Yeah. Okay. I think we'll have to I have to go back and check the tape on that one. Yeah. I think I did say that Boucher is a potential most improved. I Okay, you might have said that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I did. It. I think I did. Um <laughs> I, then again my memory is awful so I might just be imagining it. Mm. Um one of my hot takes which I didn't really get into before is that Christian Wood will be an all-star. Ooh. Okay. I like it. I don't think it's that hot to be honest. I think it's, it's like lukewarm at this yeah. stage. It's like Frank's Red Hot, but it's yeah. it, it's the the original version. Yeah, it's like not no habanero. Peri Peri. Yeah. Um, <laughs> peri Peri take. But my actual hot take is that Demantis Sabonis should be in the MVP conversation with Nikola Jokic. Uh, he's averaging a double double and six assists. He's had a 2020 game. He's shooting 40% from three, 56% from the field. He's on pace for 158 threes this season, while he only attempted 121 combined in his last three. Hmm. Uh, If he can correct his turnovers, he's actually tied for 10th in the league at the moment. Wow. And improve his free throw percentage, which is only at 67%. Um, He should be in the MVP talk. Uh, Paces are sitting fourth in the East. They are eight and four. Mm. Um, they've also had kind of a bumpy road and the Karis Levert thing is also, you know, more bad Super news for the Pacers. Yeah. Um, but he is the reason why the Pacers are playing so well, which is the definition of a most valuable player. So, you know, yeah. we should elevate the talk of Sabonis. Okay. Another European big man, um, you know, they're what all they, fantastic. What's in the water over there? I don't know. I wish I was European. Wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> Kind of am, <laughs> you know. I'm German, but that's going back a long way. I don't know. I'm uh, English and French, so yeah. Well, you're a bit European too, then. There you yeah. go. If well, that's you... my background. Yeah, is English and French. Well, there you go. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah, you're welcome. We're learning out about each other's history on the podcast. How good's fun? All right. Uh, what's your performance of the week, Macca? Yeah. Um, look, this is going back a couple of weeks uh, because we had our last one postponed the podcast that is so uh we have to give a shout out to stephen curry dropping 62 i had exactly the same i'm yeah i was gonna say that's definitely probably the same one as yours yeah everyone loves to see it i hope so anyway because it's so much fun to watch him just going off i loved it he's one of those guys where if he starts going off you're texting your friends like turn the tv on or yeah. put the stream on or whatever your league pass is yep. get it on drop everything curry's going off and then and you send the highlights out 
and then you post them on your socials and you're like, did everyone see this? Yeah. He is the most electric player in the NBA. When he's When on. he's playing well, there is nothing better than watching Steph Curry play basketball. Um, gets his shots from absolutely anywhere he wants them. Doesn't matter if there's a hand in his face, if he's triple teamed, doesn't matter. He's, yeah. he's scoring. Like, it's good amazing. Um, in that Trailblazers game, every player in the starting five guarded him at some stage. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Which is, you know, there's no other player in the NBA that demands that kind of attention. Bad you know, you could argue KD and you could argue um, LeBron, but you can't put small guys on him on either of those two. So yeah. Steph Curry is probably the only player where you can put switch one to five and try and stop him. Um, but Derek Jones Jr. had a tough time and he's one of the best one-on-one defenders in the league. Robert Covington couldn't do anything and he is probably top four yeah. in best defensive players in the league. Neither of their backcourt's going to do anything. And Nurkic yeah. just stood and hoped that you know he couldn't do that's, anything. That's a bad matchup. That is a really bad matchup. Um, and obviously Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum are not known for their defense, but they both had a go. Um, what are you going to do? Steph Curry on is the best thing in basketball. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. And actually, funny you bring up Lillard. He would be like my second place for that award, so to speak, like the turn on your TV right now guy. Because when Lillard's going, it's pretty impressive. Doncic is another one that's yeah. really good to watch. But he's, I don't know, he does it so casually you don't even know it. Yeah. Like you'll just look at the box score and you'll be like, oh my it's God. That's so true. Doncic just scored 42 yeah, and we're got... three quarters in. Exactly, yeah. You said you sent me a text the other day about Levine. He was going yeah, off against Levine the Clippers. Yeah, Levine went off against the Clippers. He's an underrated one for that. He but is. Curry, I agree, he's electrifying. Um, I just wanted to point out, I, I just really wish that the haters could stop saying like, oh, he needs this, this, and that. He's not as great as we think he is because the team hasn't been performing as they have in previous years. Guess what? They don't have the same level of talent. The team is, uh, they have a bunch of fresh bodies on the team that need to acclimate to how they play. Uh, Ubre, Wiseman, etc. But it's really strange how people so quickly flip on Curry. You just can't put it all on Steph Curry. Like, yeah. he's a two-time MVP. He was a unanimous MVP. Exactly. And he's one of the best NBA players we have ever seen. Like, And this is the same issue we've had with LeBron for years. Everyone jumping on LeBron. He's finished. He's done. LeBron's over. No more LeBron. And then he comes out and wins the finals again. We've heard that for like six years. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, he's declining. Just nope. enjoy these guys while they're here. Exactly. Just watch basketball. Enjoy watching these guys play basketball while they're playing basketball like what more can you say about a player that can all of a sudden flick a switch and hit 62 and then walk off the court and then come out the next game and put up 39 or 40 or whatever he did there's no one in the NBA like that like you've got a handful of players that can actually score that many points in the first place let alone a regular basis like this is a guy that's now averaging 33 points per game you can't watch that every week just enjoy it while it's here and stop calling players out like he's pretty good that guy oh man we need to respect him historically i'm going off and and i should probably relax a little bit because there's a lot more of this podcast to go and i don't know if i can uh, get away with going off on people like that that's okay it's well worth the time um yeah so we had the same performance of the week obviously now play of the week yeah what do you got oh you go first okay all right i'll take this one uh aaron gordon Dunking on Giannis. Okay. That in, was a good one. In the loss to the Bucks. Yeah. Why was Giannis trying to take a charge on Aaron That's the Gordon? wrong guy. 
It's almost the same way you could look at it the other way. Why do people try to take a charge on Giannis? Yeah, you're but right. You're right. Aaron Gordon definitely isn't yeah. the guy to get yeah. in front of. Well, Giannis is a two-time defensive player of the year. He's an MVP and he's one of the best defensive players you know we've ever seen. His ability to block shots is unbelievable. It's pretty good. And <laughs> he sees Aaron Gordon driving and decides that he's going to take a charge at 6'11". And he just stands there and, and gets dunked on. He just like conceded. He literally got Aaron smashed Gordon's on. man business in his face. He got smashed on. It was <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was a good dunk. Um, I was happy to see it. I you know I really like Aaron Gordon. He needs to get out of Orlando. But uh, I really enjoyed watching that play unfold um, because yeah. I'm a Heat fan first of all, <laughs> and anything that happens to Giannis in a game is absolutely hilarious to me. I love watching Giannis play. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just going off on people, you know, calling people out, but. You know, Giannis is someone that just gets what he wants so often and that's his level of play. So to see him get dunked on like that was just, it was nice. It was good you to love watch. to see it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, it, to my knowledge, it doesn't really happen that often. It doesn't. He's not a no. common dunk victim. No, it does not happen He's the dunkie. Like he, he was dunked on by Bam a couple of times last year, but oh. in that playoff series, everyone was dunked on by Bam at some stage. Um, but yeah, it, it does not happen often. Not often enough, you know, for it not to be a headline. So yeah, that's fair. why I enjoyed it so much. Okay. That's a good one. Um, I think mine was better. I had a De'Aaron Fox dunk in the clutch. Yeah, that was a good one. Unbelievable. And then he roared after mm. like a lion. That was a good that one. That was a pretty crazy dunk. Um, I didn't expect him to actually dunk it because he drove on – he got a mismatch, I think. And then he drove on the guy and just dunked it like tomahawk. And let out a scream. And it was in the last three minutes. So it was kind of like, whoa. Like, this guy's for real. He means business. Yeah, his contract definitely took him to another level. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's been much better this season. Uh, he's been more efficient. Right. Um, and I think he's been better at getting guys open. So I, I really liked watching Darren Fox this year. And I, I, we've said it before, but that Kings team is very entertaining. Yeah, he's, he's still young, obviously. I think he still has a ways to go to actually – uh, fill in that contract if he, if possible. Yeah. It's pretty lofty. He's 23 years old. He just turned 23 recently, uh, December 20th. But um, yeah, I love that dunk. Um, I want to see more of that from De'Aaron. When he's aggressive, that's when he's playing his best. When yeah. he looks to get his own shot, that's when he's playing at his best because he then finds guys open more often um, as people collapse the defense as he's driving. But yeah, that play was tremendous. Yeah. It was outstanding. Trash. Get that garbage out of here. All right. Um, what is your trash? Okay. What is the trash of the week? So this you? happened, I think, the day after or the day of our last podcast, which was January 2nd. Pat Beverly, a.k.a. the Chihuahua, pushed Patty Mills in the back on a rebound. And honestly, he could have injured Mills pretty badly if Mills fell the wrong way. I don't know if you remember the play. I can show you the video, but it was bad. And then after that, he complained about the call as if nothing <laughs> happened or the ref was lying. Um, the ref saw it clear as day and called it. And Beverly has the audacity to go up to the ref and give him, you know, an earful about how the call was a, a bad a bad decision. Pushing Mills in the back like that was a trash play. Uh, I just think, honestly, I like players that play with, Beverly's level of intensity and passion. Yeah, I do too. I really do. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I play with that level sometimes. 
personally. So I see a lot of myself in Pat Bev. <laughs> it basically is what I'm getting to. But his <laughs> level of scumbaggery yeah. is so unacceptable. And it gets worse every year. It really does. He has such a poor, a checkered history of doing he does. dodgy stuff. It's just dumb. Like, there's no other way to put it. He just has these brain snaps where he's like, you know what? I'm going to rest my head on Kevin Durant's stomach this whole game. Yeah, I'm just going to be... What are you doing? Like, you can be a pest, but then you turn into a nuisance. Yeah. And then you look like an idiot. But I do love watching Pat Beverly play because it's entertaining. But at the same time, don't do things that are going to put other players in a situation where they could get injured. um, Because that, that... kind of play can ruin a player's career. Absolutely. The Mills thing, like, first of all, the the one that really stood out to me originally was when he injured Westbrook's knee uh, going after a loose ball. They were heading into a timeout. This was going back, I think, 2013 or 2014. So he did that. But then, again, he has a checkered history of doing stuff. And then he just continues to propagate the notion that he's a dirty player, pushes Mills in the back going for a rebound. Like, I get it. You're chasing after the ball. It's competitive, et cetera. Yeah. But... That's not acceptable. There's like a select few players in the NBA that are that play like that. Um, Marcus Morris and Markeith Morris, they're both like that. Marcus like, is much worse than Markeith, but yes. Well, Markeith has really bad He's tendencies. Not good. He does that too. Yeah. Um, and then Pat Bev. Um, there's a couple of other ones that are just escaping my mind right now. Boogie Cousins is Sometimes. renowned for making you know, dumb decisions. Yeah. Um, Marcus Smart occasionally can do some weird stuff, but he's not the worst. But they're, they're players that play with such intensity and that's nothing against them. You yeah. know, like I like watching those guys play yep. because they play with such a huge amount of passion. And they play with grit. Yeah. And you and don't you get that it. out of a lot of players, you know, like Bam Adebayo has that, you know, that animal. Yeah. And so does Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And that's why teams don't like playing. You know, Miami Heat, they don't like playing against the Clippers because of the defense. It's going to be um, tough. You're going to come away with some bruises after exactly. the game. It's physical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you can't do things like that. That is trash. Yeah. That is trash. That's bad. Can I show you the video real quick? Oh, yeah. Bring Hang it up. It's, uh, it's ugly. Oh, that's bad. Just pushes him right in the back. That is bad. And then he's moaning about the call like, what happened? Are you kidding me? Mills is classy about it too. He doesn't say anything. What was your trash of the week, Josh? Mine was uh, the Andre Drummond doing Lord knows what in an ISO oh. at the free throw line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is. That was, I almost forgot about that play this, actually. That this was hilarious. Andre Drummond play is one of the best plays of all time for all of the wrong reasons. An all-time Shackton. What was he doing? This might have initiated this Jared Allen trade. They, they honestly, it was... <laughs> It was after this play that everyone's like, what, why, what are you doing? Yeah. I think Kobe Altman got on the phone, the Cavaliers GM, and he's like, did you just see what, okay, let's get Jared Allen or somebody else in here. This can't happen again. He held the ball for the whole 24 seconds, did nothing with it. I, what, what was he doing? I don't understand. I, I've watched this play about 30 times and I still have absolutely no idea what he was doing let's um let's just here we go <laughs> here we go here we go three four he's wide open he's i like the music literally too. got he's got three three meters between him and Jonas valanciunas and then <laughs> he lays it up to himself <laughs> he has been watching way too much 
Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic, and going, I can do that. <laughs> what was that? Oh, man. I Look, I have no, no words no to describe words. what that was. Yeah. It doesn't... He didn't do anything. It was bad. Like, he had players moving off the ball, didn't pass it. He had an open shot from mid-range, which we've seen him knock down this year. He's actually shot from mid-range. He would have been much better doing that. Could have shot at any given time. Decides to drive on Jonas Valanciunas, who's one of the better inside defenders in the league. Yep. And then <laughs> throws an underarm layup alley-oop type pass to himself, which I'm sure was a shot. Was what? it though? I don't know. It looked like he was like, oh, I just put myself in a weird position. Let me try to throw it out and regather my... Gather my thoughts. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. They, Look, total, this is totally valid. I think yours is actually more trash than mine. That so I'll trash. give you the upper, that upper was hand. Absolute trash. Yeah. I've never seen anything worse in a basketball game. Actually, that's a lie. I have seen worse. <laughs> wow. But that was the worst one I've seen this year. Absolutely. That is absolutely horrendous. That might be Shacked and a Fool yeah. play of the year. Yeah, it may be. Already. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty early. That was yeah. that was a shocker. Yeah. So let's go. Let's move on to the NBA power rankings now. Yeah. Um, this is a bi-weekly thing. Now, because we missed last week, we're just going to go back into it this week rather than going three weeks. Correct. Um, and yeah, let's let's um let's jump into it this week with rookies. Yes. Um this is becoming a very hard list to finish and to, to put together. Um, there are a lot of good rookies this year, more so than we've probably had in a long time. Yeah, it's a um, deep draft. It, it may is. not have like star power necessarily. Yeah. Like there's not a stud. I would argue that there are two. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean. I would argue that there are two players that are going to have very, very, very good NBA careers. Yeah. If not finishing on the top 10 lists of some of the highest statistics of all time. Right. I think that these two players are the best chance of making that list. We'll get into that because they're our top two. But let's start with number five, who we yeah. got, Macca. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Of yeah, all, special mention. A special mention, uh, Anthony Edwards actually fell out of the top five. Yeah. Uh, he's still my pick for Rookie of the Year. I have to stand by it. But he's not mine. He's So he's honorable mention because he's still leading rookies in scoring. Um, for what it's worth, despite the other five doing their best to climb the list. Yep. Uh, he isn't an efficient scorer yet. I mean, no. he's a rookie. It's a weird season. Um, he's shooting 26% from three and 37% from the field. 38, round up. Yeah, 38. 37.9%. My, My bad. So not, not great. Effective field goal percentage is 44%. We're rounding up. Pardon me. Yeah, so 12 points per game. Uh, not too bad. But 76% from free throw. That's not all right. That's all right. Yeah, three rebounds and two assists. The thing is, I don't think he's impacting winning enough, mm. and that's where he has to drop off the list for he me. He wouldn't be my pick for rookie of the year. No. I don't think he's been good enough. I Look, he's in a tough situation for Minnesota. A Minnesota aren't. A fantastic franchise. A lot of wings on that team. They have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, so Edwards will probably carve out a nice NBA career. I, I don't see him being a stud or a I think superstar. He's, I think he's headed for superstardom. It's there just this is not the season. We can argue about this for the next couple of years because we've got a long time to watch Anthony Edwards play. I'm he, in the minority. I'm sure I am. You, know, you probably are. He's only 19. That's another thing that's <laughs> probably should mention. Someone else um, called he's me very up, young. Yeah. Very young. So, um, yeah. So, number five, uh, cracking the list for the first week, 
for the first time, that is Tyrese Maxey, uh, a guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, on the back of some really strong performances recently, there's been obviously that glut of um, players that needed to isolate. So he's gotten all the opportunity in the world and he's taken the most of it. Obviously, Doc Rivers trusts him and empowers him to score and he can score in bunches. He had 39 in a shorthanded loss to the Denver Nuggets uh, last week. And I just love his willingness to go for it, to, to just shoot the ball, take it to the hoop. He's strong with the ball. He can handle it really well. He's fearless. He looks fearless out there. For a rookie, it's impressive. Yeah. His floater is the best part of his game. Okay. Um, I watched him play twice against the Heat, and the floater is deadly. Right. Like him driving to the basket and the ability to stop on a dime and throw up a floater um, caught out Heat's uh, forwards a number of times. Right. Um, and his ability to find open shots on the perimeter needs a lot of work. Mm. Um, he takes some pretty bad shots on the perimeter when he takes them. Um, but he's a rookie. So, you know, the fact that he can put up 39 as a rookie is impressive on itself. It's going to um, improve. Yeah, he, he's only going to get better. Um, and I like watching him play. He's, he's been pretty entertaining um, to watch. He, he's very, very fast up the court. He has good defensive instincts. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of uh, Halliburton if we're talking about rookies here. Um, the defensive instincts are there. His ability to read where the pass is going. Um, and he cuts off the passing lanes a lot. Plays a bit like De'Aaron Fox. Mm. Um, he's very, very quick. Um, good up and down the court. Solid defensively. Doesn't have a lot of uh, bad turnovers in his game. Um, just needs work in finding good shots. Um, yeah. yeah he, That'll come with time. He's a good player though. They, they're probably going to prioritize keeping him around. Yeah. Philadelphia is. They should. Um, number four, who we got? Peyton Pritchard. Yes. He is Boston Celtics first round pick. Um, he is fitting in very nicely into their rotation. He's been important because he of their been. injuries. He has been. So they've lost, um, what's his name? Kemba? Well, Kemba and what's the other guy? Jeff Teague. Oh, so yeah. So they don't have Kemba Walker. Forgive they me for have... forgetting about Jeff Teague. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, you. keep going. So they have Kemba Walker missing and Jeff Teague missing. And since those two have gone down, Peyton Pritchard has been their six-man energizer mm -hmm. um, off the bench. He's come in. He's added a lot offensively, really good at getting to the mid-range and then setting up shots for his players from there. Um, really solid on the offensive boards too for a guy that's 6-1. Um, he gets up there and has really good anticipation for what's going to happen next. Um, really good at reading the game, solid at following up missed shots, uh, that's a lot of things that you can't teach. That's just energy. Um, exactly. So that's what got him on the list. That To that point, he uh, unfortunately took your heat out in a game-winning putback. That was hard to watch. Should have dunked it. Should have. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he won the game for the Celtics. I yeah. think there was like 0. 0.3 left on the clock or there something. Was. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. There was. But uh, he was the last guy I expected to grab that board. I guess they just weren't paying attention well, no to one did. They weren't watching Peyton. him. They weren't watching him. He picked up four or five offensive rebounds in that game too. So yeah, he's a it's not like he wasn't pestering the boards um scrappy guy and he is yeah very scrappy on defense too just really in your face non-stop a bit like um pat bev yeah no he's like <laughs> he's been the good version from, of pat bev he's been learning from uh marcus smart yeah so hopefully the good things not all the bad things there yeah. is a video i wanted to show you josh of him dribbling look at this he's a machine oh, we'll post wow. this that's impressive it just keeps going he's unbelievable and like this stuff is cool, but the when you're really low to the ground like that, yeah, it's unreal. 
So I don't know where... It looks like he's just in his garage hooping uh, out in the burbs of Boston. But um, You can tell that he's had you know, a lot of time to mature his game because of the... the there's a lot of things that um, Duncan Robinson talks about. I'm going to bring him up again. We've brought him up. This is the third time in this podcast. Never enough. He, he just started a podcast, but he talks with JJ Redick a lot about um, the stigma of being a white player in the NBA. Right. And the amount of attention that gets paid to you on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Now, it's not so much a race thing. I think it's just the stereotypes of white basketball players that they can shoot and they don't defend and they're not scrappy, you know. They can be taken advantage of. They're not as athletic, which yeah. is, you know, can't for the most part, feet, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So these guys work really hard at their game to earn respect. Yes. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying that that's strictly a white thing. I'm just saying with guys like Peyton Pritchard who are scrappy and play like that, that's testament to the way that they approach their game. It's not it's – not, fun for them like it's not a cry it's not not a, a thing that they do they shoot around with their mates these guys are living this like they take this game to the next level because of the pressure that gets put on them by their teammates yeah by their their opponents um and they handle that pressure much better that's why he was there for that offensive rebound so yeah huge testament to peyton pritchard for what he's been able to carve out in his very young career for the boston celtics it's yeah. it's impressive he's been he's been really important for them especially filling in for the injuries like we mentioned yeah so keep an eye on peyton um i don't think he'll win rookie of the year but he'll be on this list or in and around it most likely yeah <clears throat> uh number three uh, one of my favorite players to watch, actually. I think he's got such a high ceiling. Uh, I'm going to be saying this a lot during the season. James Wiseman, uh, starting center for the Golden State Warriors. Since Draymond Green has come back, I think his defense has really improved. The metrics may not necessarily reflect a major improvement, but just the, from the eye test perspective, he is an incredible prospect. Uh, and he's been playing well, as is just for this particular ranking uh, I mean, he makes impactful plays on both sides of the court. His wingspan is insane. He looks like a uh, an alien out there th- yeah. with his length and his athleticism. Yeah. And I just love watching him go end to end when he makes a grabs a rebound and dunks it on the other end. It's incredible. Yep. He's he's something else. Yeah, he's very athletic for a, a seven foot two, seven foot one, whatever he is, um, over seven foot. Um, he has that JaVale McGee athleticism, but he's also a much smarter basketball player. He's more coordinated. JaVale McGee. And he's, yeah, his IQ is a bit better. He's actually jumped up one spot this week. Um, so we also should shout out Cole Anthony while yeah. we're here and just say that, you know, Cole Anthony hasn't done anything wrong to move himself out of this list. He's been available and he's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, it, you know, these guys deserve to be on here. So um, we should keep him there. Um, but yeah, Cole Anthony was unlucky to miss out this week. I actually, yeah. sorry, I just wanted to point out the reason why I took him off the list is because yeah. he's shooting 33% from the court, yeah. from the field. Yeah. Not good. That so needs to, pardon me, that needs to improve. He has moved into a starting role with the Magic with um, yeah. the injury to Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Sorry, I couldn't think of the name. There's too many names. There's a lot um, of names. Yeah, we should just, they should just be like sounds, like eh, eh. <laughs> And then I could remember Ooh. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cole Anthony dropped out and James Wiseman moved up one spot, deservedly so. Yeah. Wiseman's been really good and especially getting Curry open looks. Um, that's what I said when he was drafted and I've said it every week since. He doesn't need to do everything on the court, which is why he's been so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just played his role. He's played his role 
very, very well um, and deserves to take that number three spot. So um, nice work uh, picking up that one, James Wiseman. You mm-hmm. will get a trophy in the mail once I find out your address. Yeah. Nothing creepy there. Just want to send you a Tim Tam. Yeah. Um, all right. So number two, who have we got? Lamelo Ball. I one think this of, is oh, this is going to draw a lot of controversy. I think a lot of people. Ball. I know. I've the for me, he's really grown on me in terms of watching him and and believing in him as an NBA player and yep. prospect. Yeah. I didn't initially believe in him because I thought he sort of played immaturely. He played sort of street ball, yep. but it's translated so well. He makes so many impactful plays, even defensively, more yeah. than I expected. Like he's six foot seven, six foot eight. So just by sheer size, he's going to make plays happen there. But his offense has been f- so fun to watch. And what, whatever, whatever his stats? Uh, he is playing, th- he's played 13 games, played all 13 games, hasn't started a game yet. But his minutes have been uh, above 25 minutes per game, and the last couple of weeks, he's uh, last couple of games, he's been over 30. Um, but yeah, his uh, his field goal percentage is is okay. Yep. It will improve. It's at 40. Mm. percent His three point percentage will also improve. It's at 33. Um, percent But he's still attempting, you know, four and a half three point shots per game, um, and he's averaging uh, 12 points seven rebounds and six and a half assists pretty good it's pretty damn good he's grabbing a lot of boards which i'm impressed by um he did that let's look at the nbl for a second as reference he did that in the nbl Mm -hmm. um he was very good at grabbing boards his offense he just tried to find his shot and he was uncomfortable in the nbl but that is what you know translates so well to the nba um, these players are more offensively aware than NBL players. They're more refined. Their games are a lot better. And he has better talent around him. And I think we're really yeah. seeing the true um, potential of Charlotte with LaMelo Ball on the court. They're as one of my as, favorite teams to watch. They're fantastic. Yeah. And Gordon Hayward, let's be honest. Welcome here. back. Gordon Hayward has captured that form from when I think- he was at. The yeah, jazz. I think he's having his best season. He is. Statistically. Statistically, he is by far having his best season so and he far. should be an all-star. Yeah. Um, he's been really good and the perfect fit for the Charlotte Hornets. So everyone that had a go at me for saying that he was a good signing. All eight of you. No words. Stick that in your pipe. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, smoke it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been sensational watching LaMelo Ball play and he's jumped up from our number five spot to the number two spot. So yeah, yeah LaMelo Ball also gets a Tim Tam. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where I wanted to point out, I think a lot of people are going to disagree, which is fine. You're entitled to your incorrect opinions. Um, but LaMelo Ball isn't our top pick. In fact, it's still Tyrese Halliburton. It is. For these very reasons. So LaMelo is at this point of recording he's third in scoring first in assists and rebounds for rookies which is crazy uh considering his age but Tyrese gets the advantage because he's on a uh a tough he's in a tougher conference impacting winning he's third in scoring Tyrese is second in assists yeah uh for the Sacramento Kings he has the best still has the best effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage both really important metrics to keep an eye on yeah he also has the highest assist to turnover ratio, and he's not even in the top ten for rookies in usage rate. Yeah. So his Ridiculous. stats are 
really good for what they are at this point. Yep. They're only going to improve as he gets more minutes. Uh, he's just under 25 minutes per game, I think, at this point. Yeah. And he also has a higher offensive rating than Lamelo. So when you look at the, just the metrics side of things, he's he's more impressive than Lamelo in a lot yep. of regards. They're averaging the, the same amount of points, which is important to mention. Yeah. Yep. Um, their rebounds very different. Tyrese plays a very different style of game to Lamelo. He's more controlled and he's more mature yeah. already. He's not ball dominant. Um, he's happy to play off ball and he creates shots for his teammates off the ball. And what I mean by that is he's happy to play, you know, the magnet on offense where he'll run across the baseline. He'll cut from side to side, come up to the top of the key, run down to the to the hoop and then cut back across. Mm-hmm. And he catches the defense's eyes, which opens up driving lanes for the good drivers on the team like Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. Um, he's made such a huge difference to Sacramento. That's why he's number one. And um, they're not even, they haven't even been playing that well overall. They have a lot of room to improve. Yeah. But he has been so important to that team huge. already. Yeah, huge. It's been um, impressive. I don't know where they'd be without him. Let's put it that way. I agree. Yeah. So Tyrese Halliburton holds the number one spot. Yeah. Um, and that's just based off efficiency and maturity of his game. Um, Lamelo, to be honest, the way he's been playing, it's not going to be long before he is the unanimous rookie of the it's year. It's heading that way. Um, he's been s- fantastic. He has to start games yeah. for Charlotte. Charlotte have to make that move sooner rather than later because they need to get off to a fast start and he needs to be playing with Gordon Hayward more often. I think what might happen with Charlotte is, I don't want to go off too much of a tangent here. I think they might move either Rozier or Devontae Graham mm-hmm. or just move Devontae Graham probably to the bench and yep. start LaMelo. Yep. So then you have more size, uh, same if not better creation of shots. And Devontae Graham can bolster the bench, similar to what LaMelo is doing, except LaMelo should start and he should also finish games for that matter. Uh, he's been incredible. But... Tyrese is still holding down the top spot. So congrats. You get two Tim Tams. Two Tim Tams. Yeah. Maybe even a whole packet. Why not? We might. Look, we'll just hold it here. And when you're ready, just hit us up and we'll send it. So (laughs) keep an eye on our DMs. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the top five players this week, Macca. All right. Um, So this is based off the last two weeks of basketball. There's been a lot of changes to this list. There has Um, been. It's been... A weird list change. Uh, Let me pull up the old list because, first of all, I know that uh, Trey Young has completely dropped off from our top five. Uh, He won't even be in the honorable mention as such. Um, That actually goes to Paul George, our our power ranking honorable mention this week. He was a tough out. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give him credit because he's been leading the Clippers with Kawhi missing a few games. But he's been playing well, averaging about 25, 6, and 6, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, leading all players shooting in shooting threes, percentage-wise, if you have attempted over 7 per game. He's shooting close to 50% on those. That's he is pretty crazy. 50. I checked it. He's it's over 50, 50 yeah. yeah. It's 51. So that's pretty impressive. Very impressive. Uh, and again, leading one of the better teams in the league, yep. not just in the West. Yep. Um, but yeah, let me just grab the last week's ranking. I've got it here. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so who's dropped off? Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who were our uh, sort of 5A, 5B uh, in the first rankings. Now, obviously, that is for the obvious reason of Kyrie just going completely MIA. He's fell off the list because he's fallen off the court. Yeah. Um, 
Kevin Durant's done nothing wrong, but he's also, you know, his play has kept much the same um, where we thought, you know, there were guys that deserved to be on the list a bit more so than Kevin Durant. The so, Nets have to win a bit more. Yeah. Especially in the East. So we've added Stephen Curry to our list at number five. Yeah. Deservedly so. Not just the sixty point two game sixty two point game. Yep. Um he's been incredible. Yep. Over averaging over thirty points per game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh close oh, to it's dropped to twenty eight point four. Twenty eight point four. Yeah, I thought he was averaging thirty two when I checked yesterday, but that's fine. <laughs> Things change. Things change. We're um we're not wrong very often. <laughs> if ever. Just uh, reference the this the other pods for that. Yeah. Um, so he's averaging 6.2 assists, um, five and a half rebounds, which is on course with his, his career averages. Um, and his, his points per game are up on last year and, and looking back towards his um, MVP season. So, um, yeah, 28 and a half points, really, really good efficiency as always. Like, yep. you know, you never doubt any of that. He's a special player. Yeah, he's very special. And he's um, playing about 35 minutes a game. Yep. So good for Steph. Yep. He definitely deserves some credit here. Uh, I still think he's arguably the most impactful player in the league right now because of his the way he draws attention. Yep. The, the gravity on the court is is like a lot of people like to refer to the way he impacts the game. Yep. Um, when he's on, everyone tunes in. Yep. And he's on pretty frequently. He had a um, really tough start of the season. Um, yeah. And to get back to where he is now, and then to lift up all his stats like that in the space of two weeks, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, look, yeah. um, he's the reason why the Warriors are hanging in games at the moment. Once they get that cohesion right and other players start performing to that level, they'll be much better. But, yeah, Steph's a big reason why they're um, hanging in games like that. No doubt, yeah. So, he was number five. Number four, we've got DeMontis Sabonis uh, for the Indiana Pacers. Outstanding outstanding season josh mentioned earlier his hot take was that or one of his hot takes was that uh, sabonis should be in the mvp conversation as we pointed out here we definitely think he is yeah um he's carrying this pacers team along with malcolm brogdon but the offense has really started to go through sabonis uh, as we've previously referenced um his stats are outstanding he's third in rebounding in the league and for a big guy he's 23rd in assists overall which is pretty impressive as well. Mm. Um, he's arguably one of the top 10 players in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Right now. And he's been underrated for such a long time. Even making the All-Star game, people didn't know who he even was. I know. Um, which shocks me that you wouldn't pay attention to a guy that's putting up you know, 20-point double-doubles, um, has had a double-double in every game um, to this point. Those kinds of things don't happen very often like Mm. Kevin Love did it he's done it a couple of times Um, Andre Drummond has done it a fair bit but you know the level of play that Sabonis is at right now is a big reason why the Pacers are eight and four Um, so you know that's why he's there he has dropped one spot but he's given up his spot to Joel Embiid Uh, so they swapped spots Um, the two of them have swapped spots here from the last power rankings uh, Joel Embiid has been averaging 25 and we'll give him 12 rebounds a game, shooting 54%, which is a good improvement of his field goal percentage, close to 40% from three and 85% from the free throw line. Outstanding numbers, uh, leading arguably the best team in the East next to Milwaukee. Um, I'd have them as the best. You'd have them over yeah, Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Okay. I would. Spicy. Um, yeah, Embiid has been a beast, and he's really – it seems like he's taking this se- season very seriously. He wants to win. He isn't memeing all the time anymore as such, per se. Uh, and I think Doc Rivers has yeah, sort of unlocked the yeah. way to play with him and Simmons. He still he still has a tendency to settle for a mid-range does, shot. Yeah. And that bothers the absolute, you know – that you know what out of me yeah. um because he's seven foot three i know and has so much strength in the post you can't Shaq-esque. stop him. you can't stop him in the post Shaq-esque. so the fact that he steps back and shoots these weird mid-range shots is really you know he's he making hits, more of them yeah but but, but still, he shouldn't like i the, agree the efficiency should be much higher for a player like joel Embiid. but then again you know he drops a, a 46 point double double um, against the Miami Heat, including uh, a shot that takes them to um, overtime, which was unbelievable. Step back mid-range. It was yeah. whatever. I, I want to give him credit for that game as well, but Miami was also shorthanded. Yeah. Uh, they had a bunch of guys that were it isolating. Shouldn't, it shouldn't have gone to overtime. Agreed. Um, but yeah, the, the stat line for Joel Embiid was 45 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, and he also had a career high five steals um, in an overtime game. He was unstoppable in the third quarter. Once he decided to you know, drive in and look for his shot, that was when we really saw Joel Embiid playing at his best. That's so right. Embiid is one of those players you can't stop. When he's on, he's on. Um, it is important to mention that in that game, we the Miami Heat, we didn't have a player that was over seven foot except for Kelly Olynyk, who is not a center. He's a power forward. He, he plays on the perimeter. It's a tough matchup. Um, and Precious Achua spent most of the game guarding Joel Embiid, which was a big learning curve for him. Oh, my God. Imagine that. Um, it was tough. Like he's, Precious Achua is a great defender, but he's also six foot eight. So he really struggled matching up against a guy that just shot over the top of him comfortably. Um, but, yeah, it – you know, watching Joel Embiid go to work in the post like that was the real highlight of the game. Um, and yeah, less mid-range shots, the better for Joel. He he really looked for his shot inside yep. um, and he's done that more and more this season, which is why he is our number three. That's right. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, the top, uh, the bottom three of that list so far. Who do you got number two? The King, LeBron James. The King. Yeah, he... Uh, he deserves to be on this list. Absolutely. It was really hard to leave him off last week. Yep. Um, we thought that, you know, attributed a lot of wins to Anthony Davis. But, you know, Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis uh, and does the same thing week in, week out. The King is a different level of player. I was going to say, I don't think Davis has played all that well overall this season. His stats are down. The They're taking it very easy. Pardon me. They're taking it very easy overall, the Lakers are. Um, they are leading the league in wins. I think they're eleven and three at the time of this recording. Yep. But he, LeBron, has been outstanding. Uh, yeah. Twenty-four, eight, and seven, almost eight assists actually per game. So his numbers are down a little bit overall, but he's been the best player on the team, and arguably the best player in the league still. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Um, just impressive to watch. He what are just, his numbers looking like? He controls the game. Uh, LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-four. Eight and eight, basically. Mm. Uh, 48 and a half from the field. Yep. Uh, 38 from three, which, which is, is really crazy. good. And he's actually shooting pretty well for him from the free throw line. He yeah. usually is under 70, but he's 73% this year. Yeah. So LeBron is doing LeBron things. Yep. 
and it's year 18. Yep. So what can you say? It's fantastic. Uh, oh, can't, there's no more superlatives for LeBron. He's the best player in the league, best player for a long time. Um, and he's not number one on our list yet. Nope. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, that is because the Joker is the man untouchable. Yeah, he is. He holds his spot at number one, and deservedly so. Absolutely amazing to watch this guy play basketball. Yeah, it, it, you can't say anything. Nah, nah. More, he, he's averaging say enough career high numbers across the board. Um, Twenty four points, eleven rebounds. And ten and a half assists for a guy over seven foot is, you know, unheard of. He's actually listed at seven, six eleven, but whatever, seven yeah. foot to me. Um, he's shooting fifty six percent from the field and thirty seven percent from three. Yeah, his free throw numbers are at a career high eighty four percent. He's just a machine. He, you, you can't stop him. Yeah, it's just that simple. He's, he's just, too bulky and he's too skilled and he's too smart. And at this stage of the season, he's he's the MVP. At yes. this stage, I couldn't agree more. Yep. Um, he is been, he has been controlling everything for Denver. Uh, the rest of the team has yet to pick it up as as of late. They've been very poor. They've They're been underperforming. Yeah. Definitely, they've been poor. But yeah, Jokic has had some big games. Like he had a couple back to back. He had thirty five and then thirty eight mm. uh, against Minnesota and Dallas. But yeah, he's led some impressive wins. Um, they beat Philadelphia by 12, although that was the game where Philly was missing nine guys. But um, yeah, Denver has so much room to improve. Once they all gel and get on the same page, that team is going to be, we still think, the number one or the number two challenger to the Lakers. It's yep. either them or Dallas. Yep. But uh, yeah, that was our players' power rankings. Nikola the, Jokic. The only thing I would say about Denver, because they're not on our team ranking so I do want to go into it a little bit mm-hmm. is, um, I would like to see them bring in a center to pair with Jokic As another center like a Miles um, uh, Mason Plumlee was before yeah because his effectiveness he is you know the most effective center in the NBA right now yeah but I would like to see him also have the ability to play the primary ball handler and not have to worry about being in the paint all the time um He's been sensational this year. So if they don't, it's fine. Like, you know, he's playing unbelievable. So they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Um, but to this point of the season, adding another big guy isn't going to hurt. And Bol Bol hasn't been there. So um, yeah. he started one game this year, uh, two games, sorry, and is just not, you know, he's not ready. Like he, he's not big enough. I honestly thought he would contribute he would a lot more. Too. I thought uh, he would we were, too. We were pretty high on him. I was really high on him. Um, and Hartenstein, not ready. Hartenstein. He was the one that I pointed out in preseason as a really good get. We gave him like a 10-minute segment. He's played... He'll never uh, see that again. He's played 10 games, averages 10 minutes per game, um, is averaging five points. Mm. You know, these guys are all... They're they're young, um, and Michael Porter's had some injury problems this year. He's missed a majority of the season now, Um, and I don't know if that's due to protocol or if it's it's injury-related. I should probably fact check but I'm not going to um, that's but not yeah. what we do here no so I would like to see them add a big guy or potentially add another power forward um, similar to the way Jeremy Grant played last year where they can spot up shoot and also get some boards um, but yeah 
I'm uh, I'm interested to see. Yeah. Just a is. quick fact check for you, even though that's not what we do. He is uh, He has been isolating for yes. health and safety reasons. Yes. Hopefully he returns soon. Uh, don't know when the latest up update was, maybe four days ago. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that. Um, those are our players. Now, onto the teams. Who we who do we have for honorable mention? Our honorable mention is a two-headed monster. Okay. I would say Brooklyn Nets, who are now a three-headed monster in themselves. Um, the Harden trade bumps them up. Yeah. But we did discuss the potential of them Bombing. not performing very well once they have all three on the court. Um, yeah. They played really well today by the looks of it. Um, I'll probably watch a, a little bit of that game once we once we leave here. But, um, yeah, look, the, the Harden trade bumps them up on that list. Mm -hmm. And the Portland Trailblazers deserve a mention for their winning streak. But the tough loss of uh, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, that's a hard one to take. Yeah. Um, they don't really have a backup center there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what they do. Well, not of his caliber, unfortunately. Yeah. Like Ines Kanter can fill in, of course. But he should be playing. Defend. No, he should be playing 15 to 20 minutes at the most. Yeah. Although this could be Harry Giles' opportunity. Could be. It could be. We he he a lot needs about to him in the preseason. He needs to come a long way um, in his performance to warrant that starting spot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, they they definitely deserve a mention. They've been they've been pretty good. So, mm -hmm. who have we got at number five, Mecca? All right, number five, we've got the Boston Celtics. Um, they have been one of the best teams in the East, and we have to give them some credit. Uh, despite some of the injuries and the isolation protocols of the NBA, uh, they have remained relevant. Um, Brad Stevens is really doing an amazing job, as is or as are the players as well. Um, we shouted out Peyton Pritchard, obviously, in our rookie rankings. Um, but the Celtics just keep chugging along. They yeah. keep putting out good good numbers, keep putting out good performances, and uh, they're a tough team to beat on a nightly basis. I don't have anything to add. They've been That's good. It. They deserve to be top five. Yeah. That's where they are. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I'm <laughs> looking at the list. I'm actually a little bit upset um, now that I'm, you know, really paying attention to it. Uh oh. We're missing one of my favorite East teams right now. Oh, is it Indiana? No. 76ers. Oh. There's no 76ers on this list, Mecca. Oh, man. I would have, yeah. The look, disrespect. I'd, I'd probably have the 76ers at five. Let's let's just um, agree to disagree there. Boston ha deserved to be top five, but I think 76ers do too. So um, they're a special mention now. I, I think where I went with this list and how I would knock them off is because they had those, uh, yeah, they had yeah, a yeah, massive yeah. amount of players out yeah. and it kind of just impacts I can agree with that, them on I, being on the list. But I don't have a huge problem with them missing off the list. I'd just say that, you know. I would have them at, at five probably Fair. if anywhere. Right. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a mix there. Anything past four. I think the uh, the top four are a little bit undisputed in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so number four, who have we got? Number four, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. Whoa, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they're winning by a lot. <laughs> That's, they are winning wrong. by a lot. Trust me, you're not wrong. They are wiping the floor with teams. It's really hard to gauge how good they are with all this protocol going on though. You know, and like it's regular season versus playoffs, but right now we're just judging yeah, the regular yeah, yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, based off what they've done to this point, mm -hmm. they have uh, changed our list dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, considering, um, you know, who we had at five and four, we had the Nets and Lakers, and Bucks weren't even on the list, so they've now jumped into number four um, and knocked out uh, Brooklyn from the list to an honorable mention. So, yeah. 
Look, Giannis hasn't even been at his best yet. He's still been, you know, hot and cold. Um, he has games where you don't even notice him on the court and that's pretty hard for a guy that's almost seven foot tall and has the athletic ability of Giannis. Yeah. They've been carried a lot by Drew Holiday, who's been absolutely brilliant. Middleton's been playing well as well, Middleton's but Holiday really good. You're right. certainly yeah, yeah. stood out, yeah. Yeah, but Holiday is one of those players that, you know, he can play a full game and, and be a defensive pest. And then you catch him on the offensive end where he's happy to play off ball or yep. primary ball Creating. handler. Um, and that's something they didn't really have in Bledsoe. So um, as far as the numbers go, their numbers are still almost identical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been really happy with uh, how Drew, Drew Holiday has been playing. Yeah. Uh, I do remember, I'm not calling you out, but I remember you were a bit skeptical that he was an improvement on Bledsoe. Uh, but I'm happy to hear you've come around. I have come around. <laughs> that's now that what I've happens. S- look, it's really hard to watch, to see players switch and and look at them on their new teams. You know mm, what I mean? If they haven't played. Exactly. Yeah, no, to, that's fair. To make an assessment based on someone from when you've seen them play with a franchise for so long and you're like, well, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. And then they go to a new franchise and they change a couple of things. That's right. And then they're a different player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do take back the fact that Eric Bledsoe was not an upgrade. Um, uh, sorry, Drew Holiday was not an upgrade on... Eric Bledsoe. All right, accepted. I also don't agree that they should have traded three first-round picks. Oh, yeah. That they was gave too up a much. fair amount. That yeah. was too much. Anyway, That's continue. All good. Just wanted to lastly point out the Bucks. Uh, prior to us actually getting into this podcast, they were leading the league in point differential. The Lakers have taken that over, but uh, the Bucks are winning by an average of 10, almost 11 points per game, which is nuts. So the Bucks have just been powering through the regular season as they usually do. It's still early. Uh, as you mentioned, Giannis hasn't quite been in MVP form. I don't think he'll win another MVP this year or probably not for a little while. I think there's a bit of voting fatigue with him and uh, also the hangover of how he played in the playoffs. I also think a, a big uh, contract extension tends to take the shine off it as well. It does. Uh, it's interesting though because when you play a, pay a player that much, they tend to fall back in all of their player rankings because they're like, oh, they're being paid a lot, so that's what we expect. Whereas, at when the you, very least, yeah. yeah. So when you look at Giannis and you're like, oh, he was being paid 14 mil last year, he was an MVP player because of his value to his team and then his value on the court yeah. was completely different. So he needs to. It's an interesting gonna, dynamic when you look at it like that. It is actually, yeah, it's a good point. If he's going to win another MVP, he'd probably have to average like 40 and 20. Or some crazy stats. You're probably right. I, honestly, it's... Because he needs to impress people. Yeah, he's already mess. He was already one of the very few players to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the Bucks number four. Number three is the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they've been playing really well. Uh, as we mentioned the last time, I think a lot of people were skeptical that it was for real. Uh, but they have continued to play strong basketball. Yep. I honestly think PG, Kawhi, and Ibaka is a really good top three. I like it too. Um, and their bench has been pretty solid. I've been impressed by Luke Kennard in particular. Uh, I didn't think he deserved that money, the contract yeah. he got, which was four years, $64 million. He's got to come on a, a fair way. Like there's still a lot of um, learning to do yeah. on this franchise. Getting acclimated with yeah, your teammates. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But they've played well. And even Nick Batum has contributed Super impressed. far more than I expected. Super impressed. I thought he was just the guy they brought in to be like a veteran, almost like a maybe similar to a Jared Dudley. Um, but yeah, he's actually been playing and starting for them and finishing some games as well. So his good. defense has been 
yep. really good. Like one-on-one, he doesn't get caught out much. He's versatile. Yeah. And he's good out there. He's got uh, a couple of games with multiple steals. High um, basketball IQ guy. Very high basketball IQ. His mm-hmm. turnovers are way down. Um, personal fouls probably need some work. He's averaging a couple of them, but I think that's that comes with the territory of playing physical defense. Um, his efficiency numbers are up across the board, up almost 12%. That's good. His efficiency. That'll do. Um, his free throw numbers are up to 85%, um, which is just slightly above his career average. Um, his field goal three-point percentage is at 42, and his field goal percentage in general is at 50%, which is you know really, really solid for a player coming off the bench. So he's done his job, um, and he was brought in to do a job, and you know he's probably performed better than what almost everyone expected. At least myself, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to say, from him going from a walking corpse in Charlotte to what he is now is impressive in itself. Yeah. yeah. And even if he was moderately decent, he's been above that. And yeah. That's why it's so impressive to watch. So yep. good for Nick. Um, yeah, Clippers number three. Their bench has also been solid, like we mentioned. Um, but they just look like one of those teams. Uh, we had them at number four, I think, basically the third threat to the Lakers in the West. They could rise above that. Um, and last power rankings, they were our number one. But they have fallen behind uh, the... Last week's number two, actually, still, Phoenix Suns. They um, hold the spot. They hold the spot, exactly. Yeah. That Which was we bit... didn't expect. I, like, even when we did the, like, we read into the podcast, right. we were leading into it last week, and we both looked at this and went, should they be number two? Yeah, I mean, it was still early. Um, a lot of stuff they were doing not necessarily, see, it didn't necessarily seem sustainable. Yeah. But they have definitely kept it up. Um, yeah. Not too long ago, they had the best defensive rating in the league. Yeah. That's dropped off a little bit. I think they're still in the top 10. Yeah, look, they, top five they've got really good defenders across the board. Chris Paul's still one of the best plus defenders at the point guard position that the NBA has ever had. They're taking it very seriously. Yeah. And they've they've game planned properly this year to yeah. have everybody on the same it's page. Huge testament to the coach. Huge. Yeah. Um, what is it? Nate Bjorken? No, that's the Pacers. Coach. Oh, dude! <laughs> uh, their head coach, the Phoenix Suns' head coach, is actually Eric Spoelstra. Ah, uh, yep, good, very good. <laughs> it's Monty Williams. Yeah. So huge testament to Monty Williams. Please cut out me saying Nate Bjorken. Um, nope. <laughs> huge testament to uh, Monty Williams for the job that he's done this season with the Phoenix. Um, he was with them last year, but I think you know it was more so a player fit last year than it was you know the the. Um, structures that he was putting out yeah they didn't have a point guard Mm -hmm. um which has always been a problem with phoenix but now he has someone that can run the offense slow it down when they need to that's right i think they're running the slowest offense in the league they probably still have the slowest pace yeah uh by design i think they're wanting to be prepared for the playoffs yeah so it's good to see that uh, let me just pull that up. You can uh, chit-chat away. Yeah, so Chris Paul has allowed them to slow down 100%. He's, he's been fantastic at um, you know really bringing other players into it that possibly didn't see as much ball last year. I'm looking at um, Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail mm. Bridges. The Bridgeses are the most difficult. <laughs> the Bridgeses. The most difficult players in the NBA to remember who's who. Um, but yeah, look – Chris Paul's been the answer for Phoenix and they've been praying for a point guard and praying for a backcourt partner for Devin Booker for so long um, and now they have it. And Absolutely. He has turned that franchise into a real contender 
they really could be a uh, knife in the side for the Lakers. Um, the Lakers probably will struggle playing against the Suns. Yeah, that might be the best backcourt in the league uh, aside from Lillard McCollum, mm. um, who I cannot not mention because they're yeah. so good. But the just to double-check that stat from And before, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> the uh, pace question, they're in the bottom four. Yeah. Uh, slowest pace in the league. Um, they've all like you're competing with the Knicks, Cavs, and Clippers, but Phoenix plays at that pace, I believe, because they want to be ready for the playoffs when the pace is similar or slower. Yeah. Um, and you need to have a good, solid half court offense. Yeah. You're still going to want to get out on the break and and get fast break buckets, but Phoenix has done really well so far. Um, not so shockingly, who's number one, Josh? Number one is. Again, no, no. Number one this week is the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, they're almost unbeatable. Like, what are you? What are you supposed to do? How do you? How do you? How do you stop them? I like, think about what, it what all the time. I lose sleep about it. The Lakers just have so much talent. Uh, they have so much LeBron. Uh, they have so much Anthony Davis. Montrez Harrell. Yeah. He's also been he's just dunking on unstoppable. you. Marcus Gasol has been impressive. I don't. I don't. How do you? How do you stop? How do you stop it? You can't. Dennis Schroeder. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. Just give up. Just move on and hope you can get some injuries in there for them. Like and we're literally just waiting for the Lakers to play someone in the finals. Well. What are we- you know? I'm waiting for the conference finals at least where True. we should see somebody impressive. I don't expect the Lakers to have any trouble True. in the first or second round. Nuggets, if the Nuggets can get there, they're going to be a hard, hard out yeah. for the Lakers. Um, with Jokic playing at the level he is, I don't think even Davis could slow him down at the level he's playing at. The only way I can see the Lakers truly having trouble is if since now Nurkic has injured his wrist, if they fall into a lower seed... Yep. And maybe, again, like last year, but this time they come in With properly healthy yep. and they have a better roster than they did in the last playoffs. Yep. They could be a formidable problem for the Lakers. Yep. They're better I defensively s- yeah. um, with Derek Jones Jr. who has guarded LeBron before and done a really good job. Yeah. Um, and Robert Covington who's really good at switching um, on the perimeter. So How's that combo on defense? That's Man. probably the best two. Def- oh, no, I can't really say that with Kawhi and Paul George. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're up there. They're up there. Top um, five. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they deserve to be number one. Hands we down. probably haven't even seen the best of the Lakers yet. So that's scary. Um, and they have to be favorites to take it all this year. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, having LeBron is like the ultimate confidence booster. So that team – and I wanted to say he – LeBron has been playing with a level of confidence and – assuredness in his own game similar to when he won or the year after he won the his first ring in 2013 yeah every game is just was like a performance where you just were watching him in complete awe and he had that shot where he took the three and then turned around to the bench right yeah. away yeah like he just doesn't he's not phased by anything no. anymore he's I, a, achieved I, close to ba- uh, what i like to call basketball zen yeah where he's just in the zone all the time knows what to do what play to make He's never worried about anything. Um, The last thing I wanted to say about the Lakers is this team is still simmering. Um, If I was going to use a cooking analogy, they're not ready to serve yet. But Mm. come playoff time, they should be unbelievable. So keep an eye out for that. Lakers, number one. I also think that LeBron's also now confident um, in his shot, which – Jump shot. 
it's been it's been a couple of years, you know, maturing that jump shot and yeah. and getting to this point. He's probably been shooting like this since the Cavaliers, the last season with the Cavs, when he really took on that long distance three kind of thing and tried to emulate mm. Steph Curry and the Warriors offense. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't quite there. But at this level now, he's willing to take a jump shot if the defender's playing off him. Yeah. Um, whereas he'd look to drive or try and get a, a better matchup on defense if a player was playing off him. Now he's just like, oh, you want to stand there? Cool. Jump shot. Yeah. Three. He's ready. Um, so, yeah, he's – look, Lakers – are the best team in basketball. They Hands down. Probably will be for the majority of the season, if not the rest of the season. Um, so this will almost be a top four and the Lakers list for the rest of the year. Do you think the Lakers can crack 60 wins? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's only 62 games this year. There's seven, pardon me, 72. 72. You're right. And Sorry, lost, my bad. That's yep. all right. They've won 11, they've lost three. So 60 games is not out of the realm of possibility, but they've been dominating. So. You're right. So it's either going to it's going to be 60 or mid 50s. Yeah. That's their range, and I think it, it could even end up being you know on the higher end of that. They they could end up with like a 90 percent win rate, which is yeah. insane. Anyway, yeah. um, that's enough about the Lakers because we'll be talking about them all year. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to finish this with a fun little game that we have called. The no-look pass. Um, so this is where we're going to uh, quiz each other um, and see what we know, what we don't know. So um, I'm just going to oh, Have you got your away. answers there too? I do. Oh. So I'm going to start if you don't mind, Josh. Yeah, you kick us off. And basically, yeah, if you can answer these, it's true or false. Uh, three questions for Josh. Okay. Okay. So number one. Joe Ingles, true or false, Joe Ingles is the oldest Australian basketball player in the NBA. Hmm. Let me think about this. Doing your country proud. To be honest, I wouldn't know who the oldest or youngest Canadian is. So I don't know if Baines is older or Mills is older. I'm going to say false. I think it's Patty Mills. Wow, you're right, it's false, but it's not Patty Mills. Yeah, wow. Okay. I'll give you a bonus point if you can guess who the answer is. Um, hmm. Damn. Ah, uh, uh, blank. It was Baines. It was Baines. You had it, there yeah, you go. by yeah. one year. So yeah, Baines okay. is 86, 1986, and Ingles is an 87 guy. Okay. So there you go. Where's Mills? Uh, I didn't even, I don't have his numbers. Yeah, check it, because I think Mills is older too. He might be... No, it's so those are the two oldest. Okay. He might be the same year as... Um, as uh, he's 32. He's 88. Far out. There you there go. go. I was well off. I thought Mills was much older. Sorry, Patty. He seems like he's been around longer than <laughs> he, the other two. He has been around longer than the other two. Overall, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Next up. Uh, Duncan Robinson, true or false, is a distant relative of former NBA player Nate Robinson. False. I thought you'd give it some thought. <laughs> no. That's definitely false. That is false. Definitely that false. That is very false. All right. Lastly, uh, true or false, Josh, mm-hmm. among all players attempting seven or more threes per game, so there was a, a list of close to 30 players when I looked it up, seven or more threes per game, Terry Rozier leads the league in three-point shooting percentage with that filter applied. Ask it again. Okay. So... Among the three-point shooting percentage leaders, attempting players attempting more than seven threes a game, 
It's a list of just under 30 guys. Terry Rozier is leading that list. This one's got me because I, I do remember seeing Terry Rozier leading the league in three-point percentage at some time. But I don't know. He's been shooting he really still well. Is. He's been shooting really well. Scary um, Terry is almost back. The only other guy that I would have up there would be Duncan because I know his uh, three point percentage is 44% or 43. Um, I'm going to say one. true. You got that one wrong. Ah, there you go. The answer. Can you guess the answer? You won't guess well, it. Well, it's false. That's the answer. Well, the answer um, is false, but the, the, the real number one guy in that list. Yeah, that's a tough one because it, it was a weird list and it has been weird for quite a while. Um, number one. I thought I'd get you with three thre- three straight falses, so that worked out. Is it... Um, I wasn't even thinking about that, to be honest with you. I just knew that it was. there's not someone up there that's like actually... Subconscious. ...a, a shooter. Um, it's just someone random. Um, no, so the, the is leader, it PJ Tucker? No. The okay. leader is somebody relevant. Okay. A really good player. Who is it? It's Paul George. PG. Yeah, he's yeah, close wow. to 50% okay. on yeah, threes. Yeah, good on him. Killing it. Nice work. Yeah. Still hate Paul That's George. That's a good so. stat, though. Thank you. That's no a good worries. one. You're all welcome. All right. Um, my ones are a bit more, you know, I kind of jump between classic and, you know, modern. Okay. So let's go uh, true or false. The Boston Celtics have the most MVP winners in NBA history. Ooh. Um, that's a good question. I would consider myself a history junkie. I should know this one. Okay. Boston Celtics, most MVP winners. Okay. So let's say Bill Russell, probably Bob Cousy, Larry Bird, George, uh, not George Mikan, uh, uh, Dave Cowens. Who else have they had? Um, they didn't have anyone recently. Most MVP winners. False. No, it's true. Oh, they have it? 10. What? Yeah, they have 10 MVP winners okay. all time. Are we, sorry, are we talking about seasons where the guy Yeah, yeah, won? yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Man, I might have said yes. I didn't understand that one. I'm sorry, sorry. man. I should have expanded on the question a little bit more. If it but was yeah, like guys that have won. It is true. Um, right. And I think even at that point, it's true as well, because they have won more than the Lakers. I was thinking the Lakers was yeah, the right answer. Yeah, because the Lakers have eight. Yeah, yeah. I thought the Lakers was the right answer. But they had a couple of back-to-backs as well. Magic okay. Johnson, was, I think, won a couple. Kareem probably did. Kareem did, yeah. Shaq. Anyway, Kobe. so, okay. I'll Next. take that loss. That's all right. Yeah, that's a loss. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm just going to tell you. Hold this L, bro. Yep. Okay. Shaq has hit more three-pointers than Ben Simmons in his career. Okay, Ben Simmons has hit like three or four. That's a good question. Thank you. Wow. I really like this one. I'm super proud of this. It's true. No, it's false. What? How many? Shaq has one. Oh, I thought Career he had like four. Made three pointer. It no. was a it was a half quarter of court it, shot. It was a, a three quarter court. No, it wasn't. It was in in the half court, um, and they threw it inbound, and he just kind of chucked it. I don't know what the, what it was. It was. Like a- it was interesting, but it went in. That is his only three pointer made in his career. <sighs> I thought he had uh, more than that. And Ben Simmons has three career three pointers. Three. Yeah. It's actually it's. 
Shaq broke more backboards in the NBA than he hit three pointers. That's amazing. Yeah, incredible. I thought Shaq had more than that, but all right, that's a good I question. did. I did too. Yeah. I did too because I when I looked that up, I was amazed. I just would have thought it at some point he was just like, all right, we're, was up, we're up by thirty, enough, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but there would have been at least a few games where they were up by a bunch. Yeah. It's like, all right, Shaq. He attempted a couple, um, but he attempted like fifteen or sixteen, but he hit one. That's is that more than Ben Simmons? More attempts? Maybe. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, shout out to Ben Simmons. Actually, Ben Simmons has had a lot of half-court shots. Attempts. Okay, yeah. Fair. So, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I'd have to look that up. Um, the shortest player in NBA history, who is... Do you know who that Bugsy is? Bugsy It is Mugsy who was five foot three, had more blocked shots in his career than Myers Leonard had last season in his 49 games starting as the Heat's center. Okay. One more time. So the shortest player in NBA history, mm-hmm. Muggsy Bogues, who was 5'3", yep. had more block shots in his career than Myers Leonard had block shots in his 49 games as the Heat's starting center. True or false? Well, Muggsy was a pesky defender. He was. He had heaps of steals. Like He, he was, was a steel fiend. Yes, but block um, shots? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, is he... Wow. I know Myers is not fond of blocking shots. Like he's a bit underwhelming for a seven foot one guy. Yeah, man, these are good ones. Thank you. I feel bad that I put in the Duncan Robinson, Nate Robinson. <laughs> so Muggsy has played fourteen seasons, or played more than fourteen seasons. I mean, false. No, it's true. Oh my god, Muggsy Bogues had thirty nine block shots in his fourteen seasons. Isn't that insane? Five foot three, he had thirty nine, and Myers only had fifteen blocks in forty nine games. I hate Myers Leonard now. <laughs> that's pretty. I'll give credit to Muggsy for that one. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I, um, I was surprised by that. That's why I had to throw that in there. Wow. Um, I had All to right. pick a starting center, and Myers Leonard was perfect because he doesn't defend. So he doesn't block shots. He's, I don't get it. he's not good at blocking shots. Not rounded. Whenever he blocked shots, we had a party. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's the no look pass, which I won the first week off. Yeah. I'm going to walk out of here with a crown, um, even though. Mac may blame me for the first question not asking it correctly. He still got the other two wrong. I still win. Um, that was a, a yeah, two and a half out of three we're wrong. very very competitive people <laughs> here on the uh, Shoot Around podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Shoot Around podcast this week. It's a longer episode, but we hope you enjoyed it. Um, please make sure you subscribe, like our uh, content, please, because it helps us out a lot. Yep. And also like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Or let us know if you don't like it even. Yeah, that please. That helps us out as well. Please let us know if you don't like it so we can change nothing for you next week. Also, subscribe to us on any podcasting app you use it, um, you're using at the moment, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, please subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends, let them know that we're actually all right to listen to. Um, and we'll catch you next week on the next episode of the Shoot Around Podcast. Thanks right. for tuning in. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.